This is Matt. This is Paul. This is Jacob. And we are Matt and Madley's Ice Cream Social. You are listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand! Brought to you Australia-wide by Good Games. Welcome to Monstrous, probably the best tabletop euphemism generator ever made. Join us as we drop the blue dragon and have you talking like a streetwise G before the souvlaki gets cold. This is definitely a case of if your cards are born slippy, you're going to end up in the underworld. The populace has become more unfaithful than a footballer on the post-season tour. It's up to you and Zeus to fix it, listener. For assistance, this is Seven Land Hand. By Streetwise G, I meant Streetwise Greek, because we are in ancient Greece today. I'm wearing my toga. Monstrous is a game of gods and monsters, fear and faith, dexterous skills and tactical combos from secret-based games. It's a new release, meaning that it was published in 2016, future listener. It was designed by mathematical madman Kim Breback and is a game for two to eight players with 15 to 30 minutes stashed in their ancient pit of bread. Players are Greek gods, and togas are optional, throwing mythical monster cards from their hand onto a shared tableau of ancient Greek locations. Their goal is to gain as much faith as possible without singing George Michael's 1987 pop hit. But a strong guiding hand is not enough. Cunning use of tactical monster and location powers is the key to gaining the most faith of all the gods and the favour of Zeus. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows... Olympus is shaking to its foundations. Faith amongst the mortals is waning, and with it, the very power of the pantheon. Zeus is in a rage. Hear me, gods. That's, that's Zeus talking now. Hear me, gods. I command you to send forth my monstrous pets. Make them rain from the sky and erupt from the underworld. We will rekindle these mortals' faith through fear. One disclaimer before we proceed. Kim Breback is not a madman. However, one time at the casino, he threw a royal flush into the air and declared, Release the Kraken! And, and he was playing roulette. Uh, Kim is joining us later in the episode in an interview we recently recorded at the Hurstful Good Games store, so stay tuned for that. But what does it all mean to gamers? Here to toss the monster with me, I have Matt Flick of the Wrist McHale. I've heard that fear is, in fact, the, the way you keep people in line. You have as a school teacher, is that what that, you've heard? That's it. Keep right. kids fearful. And all the way from Hurstville is Jamie, Dr. Zeus, Lawrence. Wasn't he the monkey in Planet of the Apes? Is, <laughs> you're the monkey from Planet of the Apes? No, it was, no it's Dr. Zayas in Zayas. Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, was going I had my for, E&U round the wrong way. I was going for green eggs and ham. <laughs> How uh, you going? Yeah, not too bad. Welcome to ancient Greece. What faithful geeky exploits have you been indulging in? Well, for starters, I haven't been calling a tunic a toga. That's what they wore in ancient Greece. Rome's in, Rome had the, the togas. Oh, not from my research. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, your I've research looked, clearly isn't old enough. <laughs> I've looked up many a toga this week, I tell you. And, uh, yeah, well, no. Us a, yeah, but many, How many togas have you looked at this week? Um, I've probably seen a few. I can see one from... Oh, no, I, can't, I thought I could see one from here. We've got, we've got monstrous laid out before us. But, you know, more on that later on. Uh, I've noticed that uh, if anyone's been watching the Xbox Gold or, you know, is on Xbox Gold Live, you get this uh, every month they give you two free games that you can download. And um, I've just been, I got an external drive and was just, I've just been downloading them all, you know, and just filling up this external drive. And one of them was a, a game called Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment. Punishments. Yep. Now, I'm sure it only is only exciting to you know two people out there that are listening to this, <laughs> but I loved it. I mean, the graphics aren't the best; they're okay, and it's pretty much just the story that you unlock as you go. But the stories are all right, you know, and you solve a bit of a mystery on the way. 
totally free. I've totally played it, um, you know, from one end to the other. And I've noted, for those of you that, you know, are excited by this spiel, that Sherlock Holmes' The Devil's Daughter's coming out in May. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my tip. That, that's, that, that surprises me about you because what I know about your, your love of the aesthetic, the way things look, uh, oh, it's still figure... pretty, yeah, it's still reasonably pretty. It's still pretty good. Yeah, it's not that bad. So yeah. it's within a to- uh, acceptable tolerances. Yeah, and it's got a reasonable. It's got a, it's you know there's a few little bits that made me go, oh, how do I do that? And but yeah, I quickly got used to it, and it was okay, you know. And you you unlock it, and it's kind of fun. It gets into the Sherlock Holmes thing, and you and uh, yeah, you can solve the mysteries in many different ways, and make a moral call at the end of the of the mystery too. So you can you know uh, make up a bit of a fib and. Uh, send the police the wrong way, you know, or you can, um, you know, get the guy lynched, you know, if you if you feel like he was a bit of a bastard. Well, Speaking go. of Guy Lynch, well, Guy Ritchie, David Lynch. Did you notice? <laughs> did you notice that uh, today Robert Downey Jr. signed up to do the third uh, Victorian action gentleman movie? Oh yes, I did. I saw that. Um, it's not really Sherlock Holmes that he plays, but uh, but gee, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I was going to say. He's he's a fun guy. He's also uh, in the uh, new Spider-Man movie as well. Yeah, I saw that. He's he's keeping busy. Yeah, what's that called now? The new um, sp- homecoming. Uh, homecoming. Yeah, I, I, in my mind, I knew it began with H. I was going for honeymoon, but no. So what? They've reset <laughs> it. The re- oh, who knows? The, they can't reboot it. It is still going to be a Sony one, but I think Marvel's in, and hence t- Robert Downey Jr. can appear as Iron Man briefly. Yeah, it's a deal that they made so they could have Spider-Man and the Avengers. Yeah. And in turn, Spider-Man gets Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to be trolling the internet for dates at the moment. But, what, Robert Downey Spider-Man? Jr.? Yeah, yeah. No, Robert Downey Jr. Has he th- <laughs> He's got this have thing you going up. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, this thing, uh, I'd come and hang out. Or something like that in New York, and it's on his. It's on. Oh yeah, Facebook I saw that. They like popped that. up in my newsfeed too. Yeah. yeah. What is you can just go hang out at some mass party with with Bob? I've got no with idea. Bobby I Jr. didn't dive that deep. Uh. I thought he was uh. just asking me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, those of you still interested in the Xbox Gold thing, I, I've written down here that the Wolf Amongst Us, and, oh, the Wolf Among Us, and Sunset Overdrive are the games for what are we in April? Yeah. The Wolf Among Us is an amazing game. It is. All it's right. based on Fables, which is an amazing comic. Yeah, oh, and it's um and it's sort of like that um panel line art um sort of graphics as well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, looks a little bit different. Maybe more up your alley, Jamie. And this is my usual uh, Man of Steel nudge in the ribs to make <laughs> you say something stupid. Is yeah. uh <laughs> Man of Steel prequel series Krypton is uh, gaining momentum. It's apparently it's been around. It's not a Man of Steel prequel. It's a Superman prequel. It's Man of Steel prequel. It's, uh, really? Yeah. It's, uh, to me, I've written down Game of Thrones in the House of L. It's set 200 years before Man of Steel, and it's going to be uh, a sci-fi, S-Y-F-Y sci-fi um, little venture. So it's going to have nothing to do with Superman at all? No, it's going to be his family uh, and his mum and dad trying to bust moves Game of Thrones style in back on Krypton. But wasn't the whole point of, of being on Krypton was that nobody is special because they live on Krypton. Yeah, Everyone's it'll just, normal. It'll just Everyone. be like a document. It'll be like House of Cards. <laughs> well, no, look, I think it'll... I've got a, a feeling that it'll actually be kind of interesting because you're looking at what's essentially probably more like Dune than anything else. Uh, it's a you know political drama set on a scientifically advanced planet where there's ridiculously dangerous fauna around all the time. Oh, is this? And, uh, what, yeah, does, like, what, what does Krypton look like? I mean, I've never paid enough attention to Superman <laughs> to... 
Oh, crystal spires yeah. set in the midst set in the midst of a desert. Um, there's uh, we we quite frequently in Superman you see some of the crazy animals that lived on Krypton. Some of the particularly sort of you know back in the sixties and seventies they would tell stories where something busts out of Superman's fortress of solitude that you know he'd been keeping in the zoo there, and um, and you know like these just ridiculous horrific beasts. You'd, you'd love them, David. Right. <laughs> So it is. It, so it is Game of Thrones then. More Game of Thrones than House of Cards. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But in a scientifically advanced society, so you know, look, there's there's potential legs there. I think. You think you'll be getting excited about it? Look, not in my Superman way. Yeah. But you know, like it, it's a science fiction show, so I'll give it a go. Yeah. So you think a lot of people just yeah. give will give it a look just to see what the hell is going on more than. What the hell is going on? Yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. What about Blade Runner 2? Brought forward to October 2017. We've got Harrison Ford, Ryan Gosling, and now, I'm sure we're all excited, Anna Diarmas, who is Cuban-Spanish. Gorgeous, and I don't know her. Uh, that's, the, that's the news on uh, Blade Runner 2. And really? I wasn't so sure if Philip K. Dick was still banging him out from the grave. Is, this, is that what's been going on? Why? I mean, Why? I have to ask. Because Blade Runner was a massive cult hit back in the day. Uh, no new ideas have come out for the last 40 years, and they want to get some money. That's why. <sighs> I have this fear inside that Ridley Scott has jumped the shark, but then I saw The Martian, and it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Is Ridley, is Ridley Shark attached to um, Blade Runner 2? Well, he made the original one, so yeah. I don't know if he's attached to this one, but and now he's making the, the uh, Prometheus sequel as well. Yeah, which, which didn't cover you know, him in glory. They quickly dumped the name Prometheus, and now it's an Aliens sequel prequel thing and yeah just oh ridley you know you used to be so amazing yeah what happened <laughs> yeah he didn't cover himself in glory with the prometheus stuff although it was pretty and that usually gets it across the line but it was just so stupid but with seven land hand well and truly covered that um what, what else have you got matt you've been um jumping on stan i i, I jumped ship temporarily because uh optus have given me three months free of Stan, so I thought, oh, okay, Netflix, you can just sit to the side for a moment. I noticed today, if you buy 30 bucks more or more of Xbox products, you get three months of Stan yeah, as well. So, so they're throwing it away. I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> I know what it means for me is that I'm, uh, I found a whole heap of new things to watch. Uh, foremost of those is Penny Dreadful. Oh, yeah, classic. So I've got right into that, and I'm, pr- I'm through the first season. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, have no, I there's said no that, second season. If, have there. I said before that Eva Green is both hot and an amazing actress? I don't believe you've mentioned it. Yeah, I think um, I'd like to make Eva a stand. Eva Green who, sorry? Yeah, <laughs> Eva, Eva Green. She's amazing. You should check her out. Just... I thought even uh, even Billy Piper is not too bad. Is he the werewolf guy? <laughs> Billy Piper? Billy Piper. Rose from Doctor Rose Who. Rose from Doctor Who. Ro- oh, I had she that plays down. this little Irish lass with, with, oh, uh, no. with consumption. Is she the <laughs> Frankenstein's monster number two? The, the female one? Maybe. I don't uh, know. I don't know. <laughs> the other oh. thing I've been Spoilers. watching. <laughs> the other thing I've got right into, and I have to say, I watched this from the first episode up to the end of the, the first series, and that was Ash versus Evil Dead. That was a lot of fun. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely exceeded my expectations yeah. for that. I, I'm a big fan of the Evil Dead series in general. But, I love Chris um, Campbell. And, uh, is that Evil Dead the movie series or Evil Dead there's something else I don't know about? No, the movie series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the, Bruce Campbell has come back and reprised his role as Ash. He's a lot heavier. He's a lot older. He's a lot unfitter. <laughs> yeah. But he's uh, still, he's just got that machismo about him that, that uh, makes him 
watchable, you know. And they've got a whole. He's surrounded him with a whole heap of, uh, I don't know, relatively unknown actors. I'd have to say I, I didn't really recognise anybody. Who's uh, other than Lucy Lawless? Oh, who's Ash then? Ash is—he's yeah. the uh, and uh, the protagonist from the Evil Dead series. He was on he got, from the very oh, first he's the actual episode. guy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yep, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, it is him. Okay. Um, back from when he was fighting the Deadites, uh, or, or once the, he unleashed them unwittingly, and um, they've come back. They've followed him around, and uh, it's got a, a level of gore that's I think is unprecedented for for TV. This is like a gore house, Quentin Tarantino yeah, gore house type really of thing. Yeah, it really is. So it's, it's it's horrific in some places. The full bottle of tomato ketchup. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and then they go back and open a second box. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, witty dialogue, uh, lots of really wicked one line, uh, throwaway one liners. Um, Does it action. give us a reason to finally turn off Walking Dead? Sorry, Walking Dead fans. Yeah, well, I'd watch it for a different reason. To yeah. be honest. This is pure entertainment value. This is yeah, schlock that, entertainment. And that's not what Walking Dead TV series is <laughs> no, about. No, it's not entertainment. It. No. no, okay. Uh, Matt, how does it stack up against Lost? That's the question. You know, have you I, given Lost away yet? I haven't given Lost away, but I've put it on temporary uh, hiatus. Yeah. So. That word temporary will change. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go. But uh, You know no. what? Long term, I reckon that Netflix probably has a bit more for me, but I've also had the three months of stand from uh, from Optus, yeah. and I've used it to just binge out um, Ash vs. the Evil Dead and um, I Zombie, and now I'm just about finished Constantine, which is also just fantastic. Yeah. I've heard and, that uh, um, Netflix is in the States is starting to thin out a bit because there's all of these different channels and I don't know if they're going to almost eat themselves because they're all going to get their own stream and that stream will preclude shows from being on other channels. So we might end up with like 10 or 20 different channels and not the whole lot and it's going to take somebody to come in and combine the lot and uh, hopefully it's not going to reinvent Foxtel or something uh, like that because there's Amazon well, Prime uh, out there the as well. One of the things Netflix has done, which is quite clever, is that they are... Now signing deals for worldwide uh, delivery at the same time. Oh yeah, for their so, for their own you, shows though. Not just for their own shows. Like oh okay. Actually, the movies, the new stuff that's coming on to Netflix is stuff that Netflix has everywhere. Yeah, because that stinks. You know, we listen to an American podcast and they go, get all over this show. You know, it's brilliant. You go, okay, I'm going to go home and load that up. And you put it on Netflix and it goes, shows relating to this really interesting thing you want to watch. Yeah, that's right. Like that. I'm, I'm really stuck. I really want to see this show called The Strain. No, which is... no, no. <laughs> Why not? Back out. Dreadful. Absolutely awful. Sounds oh, really? good, doesn't it? Yeah, Glamo del Toro. Well, the, the novel and the comic are both excellent. Yeah. So no, the TV. TV. Oh, it was just. It was. No, oh, it, it was so bad. It just. It just died. I've. I had some solid horror friends of mine that were, you know, big Guillermo del Toro fans and uh, love, you know, love his stuff and everything that he does. And yeah, like, no, I, I discovered the comic book later on, but I didn't read it because of the TV show impact. But oh, no, the comic it, and the novel are excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, this well, didn't didn't go well. The last thing I'll say about my uh, my anyway, TV... the problem is I haven't been able to find it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give it a look and let us know what you think. I think we got most of the way through the first season, and then we're just like, no. Well, I think I've proved that I'll watch any old crap because uh, I'm watching Lost. Because yeah, you're watching Lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the last thing I'll say about Stan is that I'm about to start the Flash. Okay. Oh, and have uh, you seen the Flash yet? No, not I haven't watched a single episode. So stop watching all other television. <laughs> <laughs> that could, huh? Well, that was it what is. 
it is the best show on television at the moment. That's what they were saying about this that uh, Krypton show is that they were going to be exploring the DC Extended Universe a lot more and Flash and Arrow, I think that's their main two other shows, they were going to be somehow included in this. Now, how that works when they're Earth-based shows and Krypton's on Krypton, I don't know, <laughs> but obviously they're pretty desperate. They'll, they'll write it in somehow. Well, come on, maybe they're open to the idea <clears throat> that Superman was perhaps not the first visitor to Earth from Krypton. Hmm. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, spoil anything for Matt, who hasn't seen the Flash yet. Oh my God, you haven't seen the Flash yet. <laughs> I'm going to start watching it straight away. As but, as I get um, home. but they do. They do. By the end of the first season, open up the multiverse. Um, yeah. And and talk about the fact that there are parallel universes, different times, that the, and all this is accessible through the Speed Force. So um, you know, he is running over into Supergirl, which is a different universe. Um, there's no reason that he can't. Happily run back to Krypton in the past, I guess. So what? Which is really the reason why the Marvel Cinematic Universe can be all over the place at the same time. You Do you know, mean the DC? Uh, no, no, the the Marvel. You know, with all the crossovers and uh, you know the the omissions of certain characters from certain storylines, like Spider Man, and, and then they have their own. <laughs> so that they, you know everything can exist side by side, no matter where the source it was that it was created from. Uh, because of this whole parallel universe, multiverse concept, you know? So I think Theoretically, yeah. I mean, Marvel, Marvel tends more to rewrite things. So the introduction of Spider-Man is happening in Civil War as a new hero who's very young and, you know, hasn't been out doing this for long, when, in fact, you know, Spider-Man, the character, predates Civil War by years and was in the original comic. Yeah. Well, all I say is I was a fan of Sliders. When it's it was a great out. show. I loved it. So there you go. Hmm. Um, that's enough on that. The uh, on the table at the moment, I've been playing a bit of Rum and Bones with Andy the Painter, yeah, and uh, and <clears throat> Dorian and and Selby, and yeah, that's not say, a bad one. It's another we say cool Andy mi- the Painter because he posts on uh, Seven Land Hand Facebook page with his models that he's been painting. Yeah, and we're I'm putting the pressure on him to uh, put some more up there. Yeah, yeah, no, he does good, he does great stuff. Yeah, but uh, Rum and Bones was a cool mini or not uh, Kickstarter from. Not all that long ago, but it's uh, pirate-themed and it's uh, ship-to-ship-based combat and with really sweet minis and uh, cards. Every, everything that you come to expect from a typical Cool Mini or Not production, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a lot of fun. And uh, so I look forward to getting into that a little bit more. But the only other thing I've been getting into was uh, my Kickstarter habit, yeah. which is uh, observing everything that's coming along. And I've come across an RPG called Belly of the Beast, oh, which yeah. has really, really caught my attention, so much so that I backed it. And uh, it's a set against the backdrop of uh, a giant beast has consumed or is consuming in the process of the world. And uh, the action all takes place within the side, with inside this beast. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, this, well, so as this beast is consuming the world, people manage to survive, which is a really crazy thing. You think that everything can get destroyed, chewed up, digested, but however, uh, humanity has managed to survive by clinging on to the edges of this this internal organ. And I don't know how many scale for how big this thing is, but uh, people are carving out an existence. And uh, it's been produ- uh, it's been written by Ben Dutter from uh, Sigil Stone Games. And who is a little independent uh, RPG writer, 
and he's uh, doing really well on Kickstarter at the moment. He's managed to blast through his goal, and he's coming up to, I think it's about the last 12 days of the campaign. So um, if you're into Kickstarter and you're into checking out new interesting products, I really urge you to go and check this one out because uh, I think it's uh, a yeah. great precursor of things to come. So yeah, it sounds like a cool setting. Yeah, it yeah. really is. And it, it turns sort of the RPG element on its head. You know, you're used to these typical uh, strength, dexterity, charisma sort of base skills, but this mm. actually uses instincts, so the survivor's instincts as the crux for... Uh, the way you interact with the world and everything you do. So I'm sure um, if being inside the belly of the beast, everything instincts, especially. <laughs> oh, uh, but ding. Uh, uh, nice yeah. one. Thanks, man. Yeah. So that's, um, if you have a chance, get out there, check it, belly of the beast. And it's uh, live on Kickstarter at the moment. Yeah. You got anything geeky to add, Jamie? Oh, earlier this week, <laughs> I, um, I had a visitor from WA. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we can talk about that later. He was yeah. pretty geeky. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, you can hear more about that in about a fortnight when we release the uh, Hurstville live show yeah. with, with Kim alongside of us. Did you get the smell out of your couch? <laughs> There's nothing, nothing's just, washing I that out. I just replaced it with a different couch. Yeah, it's okay. time for a new couch. <laughs> All right. Um, well, but uh, earlier this week, I took my son to the Microsoft store here in Sydney uh, where they were running a Lego Dimensions workshop, which was was really interesting, actually. It was a sort of combination of getting the kids to play, just play the game, but also building a mosaic um, out of Lego. Oh, was that uh, the DC in bricks or whatever it was called? That's this... at the powerhouse. That's that's an exhibit of of an artist who works in Lego. Oh, okay. uh, sorry. And, and he's done a sort of a tribute show to DC Comics. Yeah. Which is amazing. There's some fantastic stuff there. But no, this was, um, this was like a... The, the, the staff there, you know, know how to make the mosaic, but they get the kids to do... All little, all little pieces as individual tiles, and then stick it all together, and you get the whole picture. Um, and uh, you know, sort of at the end of the day, you know, they they played some Lego Dimensions, they did this mosaic, and then they got little certificates and show bags and stuff. And I was just like, this is a really cool thing for Microsoft to be using their store for, you know? Like it was actually a bit of a community thing. There was no charge. Um, it was just you know something they hosted. Oh, very really, cool. Yeah, I kind of I wish that uh, Dimensions had, got, had been a little bit earlier in release as opposed to the um, Infinity stuff because we jumped on the Infinity at our house and I like those little models now. I've got a few, like I've got a Tank Buster and a Yoda that don't even get played. They're just on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some very cool ones. But the Dimension stuff is pretty pretty cool looking. I like the idea that you can build a different model and it react differently on the pad. That sounds cool. Yeah, it is really good. Hmm. So, um, so that was good. I've also been uh, playing around with the new user interface on BoardGameGeek, which has gone live yeah. we uh, were, just the last couple of days. We were talking about yeah. that. We just checked it out ourselves. Yeah, it looks really good. Very slick. How do we look on there? <laughs> um, I they, actually haven't looked us up yet. They didn't polish up the Seven Land Hand Badge on BoardGameGeek? No. <laughs> Shined up real nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I would have had more to talk about, but there was a picture of, uh, when I was doing my homework, there was a picture of Kristen Ritter pulling on her bottom lip, and uh, I clicked on that and got lost in her dark gaze. So um, (laughs) how about we wrap it up there, and we'll get back with a bit of Monstrous talk. Win Monstrous for commenting on the Facebook page for this show. That's episode 67. God, we're so old now. 67 episodes old. And that's at facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand. 
will announce last month's winner of Seven Wonders Jewel later in Neats and Twos. Entries are growing each month, so increase your chances of winning and get in now. I think it was yeah, less, just less, just a bit shy of 30 entries this, this month, yeah. so it's definitely growing. Sure you can is. imagine a couple of months' time, it's going to be 100, and then you've got one in 100 chance. It's That's going to be the, the most sought-after competition on the interweb. I think it might already be close. <laughs> Anyway, back to the advert. Every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. This month, it's monstrous. Monstrous. As soon, monstrous. As soon as it hits shelves, and while stocks last, last, and we think it's going to hit shelves sometime in May, uh, Good Games is giving Seven Land Hand listeners ten percent off. Monstrous. 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 All you have to do is don your toga, or what was it? What was it, Jamie? Tunic. 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 Uh, grab a souvlaki. That's definitely Greek. And enter your local good game store stating this month's password. Get, get monstrous. monstrous. For the next four weeks. Get, get monstrous. monstrous. That's while stocks last. Okay, on with the show. Here comes the monstrous review. Woof. Monstrous. Woof. All right, welcome back. It's uh, monstrous this month. My monstrous. G- monstrous. It's what a game. Hey, this is this is going to be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to this chat and uh, telling everyone about it. Uh, so, monstrous is a game designed by Secret Base Games uh, by Kim Breback, who we'll talk to soon. And it's the first game from Good Games Publishing. That sounds mm. familiar. That's awesome. That's me. Yay. That, is that you, Jamie? All right. Well, so, I'm half of it. The other half's Kim. There you go. So we've got we've got we've got our fingers directly on the pulse, uh, and hopefully this gives us a direct line into all future games from um, from Good Games Publishing, and um, and and there's a few on in the pipeline, but we'll probably yeah. talk about that a little bit more. Um, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Yeah. Exciting so times. Stay tuned to Seven Line Hand for the the hot stuff on all those on those games, but. Um, Monstrous today. Matt, let us... What's, what's the story behind this one? Zeus, we know uh, the, the father of the gods, is getting stroppy with, human, with humanity. Uh, it seems Greece in particular. Greece in particular, yeah. It seems that they've not been uh, attending church or, or uh, whatever else they, ach- they attend as regularly as they should, and faith is waning. And that is the pantheon, isn't it? That's the, pantheon, the pe- people yeah. that are going into ancient Greek churches are called the pantheon. Is that right? Uh, isn't the pantheon where the gods are all hanging out? The pantheon of gods. You know what I'd do? Which just I'd means listen, a collection of gods. I think doesn't. I'd it? listen to a well-researched podcast <laughs> and find out. That's what I'd do. But while you're waiting to find one of those, you yeah. listen to us instead. So anyway, Zeus is is uh, is become upset with humanity, and he's decided that well, they need to be taught a lesson. Yeah, and the best way he knows of doing this is to <laughs> through <send> violence, <laughs> <laughs> violence and carnage and tyranny yeah. and oppression, and sending them down to uh, down to Greece in the form of monsters. So, Honestly, I think that they're lucky that that was Zeus's chosen method because if you look at mythology, the only other thing that he really did with things was make love to them. <laughs> <laughs> really, that Often could be a. Comp- that's Often a, appearing in strange shapes like a swan or a golden shower. <laughs> that's a whole different other, a whole other story, I think. Yeah, uh, that's, I, that's not a board game that we should be putting on the table for kids. I, I was just considering that you'd have to be, um, like with Zeus's massive, you know, colossal beard, uh, you'd have to, you'd have to have a very expressive forehead to convey if he was upset or anything, because you wouldn't be able to tell if he had a soggy face or smiley face because of yeah. the the flowing grey locks well, around his it. mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said you researched this podcast, yeah. did you just 
sit down and watch 1960s <laughs> swords and sandals movies. Yeah, like, as long as they're Italian. Anything that had Charlton Heston in it. <laughs> yeah, no, this has got um, what, the Golden Fleece written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of Hercules Returns. Oh, I yeah. love that movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Zeus has commanded us as the Olympians to uh, do his bidding. So, really... Zeus is keeping his hands clean. Uh, we are doing all the dirty well, work. We're, we're gods too, That's aren't it. we? We're, we're minor, like gods. minor lesser gods. gods. Lesser gods. But no less important. We can still hell monsters. Yeah, we can chuck monsters. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're <clears throat> doing. We're teaching humanity a lesson by throwing monsters at them, or rather we're throwing them at their cities. Yeah. That'll teach them. And scaring them and saying, this is how... This is how scary gods can be. If you don't do our willing, our will, our yep. our way, bidding, bidding. That's the yeah, will, will and bidding combined. Yeah. So if we don't do it, if you don't do our bidding, we're going to send these we'll monsters down us. into yeah. your town and upset you greatly. So start behaving yourself, quick time, <laughs> and start coming back to church. Start worshiping us, much like the Catholic Church, I believe. That's the way they. <laughs> right. That's the way they started doing things, wasn't it? Fear and. Uh, hypocrisy but anyway that's another so, story so how do we measure this within the game what's the object of the game the object of the game is to acquire the most amount of faith yeah all right so you're using your monsters as the tools in which to gain uh, faith for you for faith in and that's kind of like, and that's the currency of the game is and that's like you know when uh, you know you get so much money in like a seven wonders jewel or yeah. uh, thing you know you get you get uh, what was something more like? Um, well, it's like a victory point. Yeah, victory, victory points. points. That's exactly. It's what victory it is. points. Exactly what it is. Yeah, and beautifully rendered in the game as well because it's like little flames um, with yeah. different numbers on them. And and Kim was telling us when we were, we were talking that they researched how were you know what did um, people in the pantheon do, yeah. and they would go on like candles. So the little flame represents you know the size of very of, symbolic. Yeah. Speaking of representing things, yeah, the mortal cities that we are throwing our monsters at, represented by giant oversized cards that we lay out on the table. Yeah, they're the uh, tarot tarot size cards. Yeah, tarot size cards doesn't rhyme with carrot. And, no, um, no tarot. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> rhymes with barrow. And uh, the monsters <laughs> are, are regular size cards, which we're literally throwing. Onto the table to try and land on those locations. So you, so you set out those locations. You get uh, five locations. Spread, yep. Put, put spread them in a rough circle. Yeah. And they've all got they're all the, the the location cards. Again, everything about this game is just the artwork is fantastic. And we again we talk to Kim about that later on. But um, yeah, when you, when you get the locations on the table. The location cards you quickly figure out have their own location reward, faith reward. But the smaller the faith reward, uh, usually the the greater the power on that location's card. Is it weirding you out, David, that we've pre-recorded the interview so we know what's in there and we can talk about <laughs> it? Is a little bit what weird, we're going to be having? <laughs> yeah, but usually at this stage we're crapping our pants because we were about to talk to Bruno Cathala or Jay so Little or something. But yeah, so is Jay Little going to talk about art or is he just going to talk about things in the game? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it's in the can. We know, but so yeah, but um, yeah. So these locations are like proper references, except from the un- underworld. There's Olympia and Sparta and Athens and Mount Olympus and so forth. Uh, all of which were, you know, proper, like Troy, proper locations in the ancient Greek mythology. Yeah, we didn't make them up. No, some of them still <laughs> exist to, to this no. day. We left that to somebody else to make up. 
But um, yeah, so that's what that's what the table looks like. Essentially, you've got a pile of faith yeah. faith tokens which you're going to try and win. You've got five locations spread out before you, uh, and they're all set up so that they're about a card's width apart. Yep. And Kim was like, afterwards, I was having a game, and Kim came over, and Matt and I initially sort of spread them out quite broadly over the <laughs> table, and he said, no, that keeping them a card's width apart is about right because you get that opportunity to when you're throwing the cards, they can skid off one location and land on another. And we'll probably talk about that a bit later on. All right. So how do we turn throwing cards at bigger cards into flaming victory points? So so what you do is you get a a hand of cards. Everyone's got the same deck of cards. Uh, The youngest player... draws out depending on how many you're playing like if you're playing a two-player game you'll take out two cards and put them into your underworld uh your opponent will do exactly the same take out the same cards put them in the same order into their underworld and then right, that's so your you hand pull out the minotaur and the hydra everyone else goes out goes around the table pulling out their minotaur and hydra yeah then you shuffle the remaining cards draw three and that's your starting hand those are the cards which you're going to throw down onto these locations that we just talked about uh Surprisingly, all of these uh, monsters have different powers and they're in theme with the game. They're all... What are they, Matt? Yeah, they're all individual. So uh, Hydra, Cyclops, Manticore, Siren, Gorgon. So they're all, again, they're, they're directly taken from the pages of, uh, of uh, Greek mythology. And each of them has their own... Well, there's two sides to each card. But on one side, you get like their super premium ability, yeah. which... Uh, is an effect that takes place when a certain condition is met. And that condition might be hit another monster, get hit by another monster, hit, hit a location. location. Yeah. And then there's the reverse side, which has a more uh, generic ability, which is common to all of the cards, which includes uh, hitting monsters and hitting location. And then the reward there is just faith. So really, it's the, the game face side is the one that has the individual ability. I've got the Hydra in my hand at the moment, or one of his heads, and the Uber ability is hit monsters. That's the trigger condition. Put hit monsters on top of their god's deck. So that's that's the super So that kicks, kicks them back to the, the player's deck. And that's yeah. important at the end because the amount of cards in your hand, your deck, and yeah. in Underworld come off your score of all of the faith that you've, you've gained. So chucking a whole bunch of cards back into like off the table into the into the opponent's control again is is a pain because you've, you're losing faith there. Yeah, there's a constantly <clears throat> changing board state, so uh, or table state, I guess you'd call it. But uh, cards are thrown, are, are tossed onto the table, onto the locations, onto other monsters, and then they can be recalled, they can be picked up, they can be shifted, they can be removed from play and sent to the underworld. They can be returned to your deck. So cards don't necessarily, just because they've been thrown and they've landed on a location, doesn't mean that they're going to stay there for the entire game. They can be shifted by other cards striking them and hmm. pushed along. And there's, so, there's particular cards as well. You might want to talk about the uh, yeah. the trap cards. Yeah, things like the Gorgon, yeah. where uh, once it's on the table, anything, any other monster that hits it gets discarded. Well, there's so, no, uh, no way of getting it off, is there? Except uh, I think the only one that, that'll allow you to do that is the Cyclops. Well, which allows you to pick it up and then you... No, no, because f- the Gorgon's effect no, would happen first. As long as it doesn't hit first. it. As long as it doesn't hit it. Because the, the Cyclops, you just have to be at the same location. No, 
No, no, that's one of the locations, I think. Yeah, oh, okay. One of the Cyclops locations. Cyclops himself is throw one, hit mo- throw one monster that he hits ah, and okay, then gain okay. faith if, from it. If the Gorgon's on a particular location, I don't know if I can find it here, um, it's uh, put a monster hitting a location on top of its god's deck, or you can, and that's uh, Thebes. Uh, yeah, you can you can then pick it up and, and throw it somewhere else, or that's put it give right. it back to the player. That's probably the only way of removing it. Um, and these... well, actually, there is one other way. We, we'll talk about expansions a little bit later. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, but there is that you can later on unleash the Kraken, and uh, the Kraken destroys all in its wake. <laughs> yeah, Sparta also has the effect of when hit, uh, choose and discard a monster hitting a location. So again, a uh, Gorgon would have to be on a location. Like Matt and I were playing just the other night, and one of the Gorgons was just floating around in between towns, so there was pretty much no way of removing it. And the more cards, plenty of cards slid that way and hit the Gorgon and just got killed straight away. So it's in yeah. theme, you know, like the, these, these monsters go anywhere near the Gorgon, they get turned to stone, boom, they're off in the underworld. One thing uh, I will say about this game that I really like is the, the thought that went into uh, all the locations which are, are on, the, on the table at the beginning of the game. As you're throwing cards in the direction of these locations, it becomes quite cluttered so that the locations can be covered. Cards can be obscured so you can't actually see what the, what the effect is, which is why they've given you a very handy reference card. One side has the locations, the other side has the monsters, so there's no yeah. excuse. No matter where the cards are situated, if they're completely covered or obscured, you've still got the reference card, which enables you to, to get the right get text. The right effect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of the really way that thoughtful. the artwork actually gives you the perspective of gods above in the clouds. So you're looking down on the cities. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, all, all of the all of the locations are yeah from above. Yeah, a, um, one of the other cards that you get is the yeah. uh, reference card, which basically gives you the or the turn order. It tells you exactly what to do. First, oh, it's, steps, a pr- it's, it's more like the priority order as it is, well. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So stage one is uh, step one is throw a monster. Yeah. You know, not a difficult thing. It's where you line up and you've got to be care of your, careful of your proximity to the table because you're not allowed to let your hand cross over to the, the onto the table. Which my wife was very picky about. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't go onto the play space. My That's God. bad. That's it. And this is, this is my first pro tip as well uh, when it comes to... Uh, to oh, I forgot my own pro tip now. <laughs> Shall I, was, I move on? To, I, was, I was so horrified by uh, my wife telling me off last night for crossing the edge of the table. Uh, I forgot my pro tip. I'll, I'll come back to it. I'm no sure crossing the streams, something like that. Yeah. But, uh, number two is the trap card, which is the the red bordered monsters. That their effect takes happens first. Then step three is the monster individual monster powers, whether it's the uber side or it's the uh, the generic side. Uh, then those cards take effect. Then it's the location power. That's step four. So whatever effect the location itself has, and not all of them have a, have an effect. Uh, I think it's Olympus doesn't have an effect. And some of them have minor or lesser or greater effects depending on the amount of, of uh, faith that they, they have on them. Yep. Um, step five is you gain that location's faith. So if you have a card that is touching Sparta, for example you're going to get the three faith reward. Uh, this Step six is extra throw. Now, if you are lucky enough to get an extra throw, and there are some locations which grant that ability, there are also some monsters that like grant... Phoenix. The Phoenix is the one that comes to yeah. mind, yeah. So if you are lucky enough to 
uh, hit another monster with the phoenix, then you uh, obtain another go, which means you go all the way back to step one again. The, yeah, you can really start, and you can really start cycling your cards as well, yeah. like throwing it and drawing cards out of your underworld and yeah. trying to dump those cards out of your deck and underworlding and. You almost like it's like scoring faith, really, if you can get rid of your cards yeah. to a certain degree. I, I managed to string together three turns in a row, <clears throat> just purely based on my use, uh, effective use of the phoenix, and that becomes more intuitive as well as as you get used to the cards and what locations are out. You yeah. can start planning ahead a little bit quickly. I mean, it is a little bit daunting at first because you're thinking I've got all these cards, but you can also forget about it being daunting and just throw cards for fun. And and it is, it's yeah. immediate fun. Yep. You haven't got that many, really, because you're, you're only looking at three at a time unless you draw extras along the way. That's right. Well, at one stage, uh, Jamie, we had, I think, was it six? Because the Underworld card was in play for the uh, location. And we had, yeah, six, seven cards in our hand at the one time. Yeah. And which cool. became uh, lots of options. But then I think you, you kind of get that analysis paralysis where you're looking at all these cards and, okay, which one is the best course for me to play yeah because don't get us wrong i mean you're throwing cards at the table but there is that strategy element which i remember my pro tip now which is declare what you're going to do before you do it it's not a rule (laughs) it's a fun pro tip you say i'm going to in the corner pocket exactly i'm going to throw my hydra i'm going to put it on this creature that's what's going to happen then i'm going to get this effect from the location bang 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 perfect then throw your card and when it all goes south Everyone can have a good laugh at you, and you can have a bit of fun with it. You know, it's it's. I yep. think that's part of the fun thing, especially if you do something horrific. You know, like you think it's most people. You kind of like what were you doing? Helicopter throws, Jamie, or you like try to slide the card in. <laughs> Seeing the but card, we, we play this this game so much that we originally started going. Okay, look, right hand's too easy. Go left hand, and right. then it became left hand's too easy. Start doing helicopter throws where you spin the card in the air as much as you can. <laughs> and there's, there's nothing better than seeing someone declare it, someone try to do a nicely finessing lob, and it just go and land on its side and roll into some oblivion Bounce. and do absolutely none of that. So that, that's a good way of creating a bit more fun with the game as well. Oh, Your table surface is very important. I mean, we've played on, a, we've played on Velvet. And we've also played on just a regular table. No, felt, felt, felt. Played sorry, on felt, velvet. Velvet, felt. No, he's felt. getting his, he's getting material wrong. No, yeah. we, we played on we casino played on silk, casino quality felt. We played on, Woo. yeah, and a regular tablecloth. And uh, the way the cards reacted were were very different, yeah. by comparison. But the last step, step seven, if you've had your extra throws or whether you had them or not, uh, draw a card and then end your turn. So. The, the round always ends with you drawing a card, no matter whether you're, the card you actually throw completely misses a monster, completely misses a location. You don't get any faith from that throw. You just get ridiculed by your opponents, and then you gain yeah, a it, card. It doesn't really feel penalty-heavy, does it? No. You, the, the penalty is, is not pulling off the move you want and scoring as high as you wanted to score. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't yeah. mean that that card that you've thrown very poorly... Uh, is going to have no bearing on the game because depending on what the card is, yeah. that card can become a target for your opponent or it can become a target for yourself. Or it's, if, if it's a trap card, it can yeah. sit out there and cause a whole bunch of pain for everyone else that can't throw in the right direction. So everything that sits out on the table, location and, and monster, has its purpose and can have multiple 
uh, I guess, re, be repurposed as the mid, early, mid and late game approaches, you know, so which I really like because it means no card is, is truly wasted and no card is static or, or uh, you know, ignored. Mm. Everything's, everything's important depending on your strategy that you're hoping to play, yeah. So within the box as well, there's a, if for those of you who saw the unboxing that Matt and I did. Uh, on oh, the, check on it the... out. It was yeah. our first one. I think we did a great job. David. I think I think we did. I think we did well. Uh, I got very excited when I saw the lightning start rules and thought that, that was the entire rules. But the, <laughs> the, there are lightning start rules. You can open up and get started really fast. Yeah. Uh, and the and the extended rules aren't you know anything more complicated. They just get into this game opens up a whole bunch of what happens now kind of scenarios, doesn't it? We were tr- yeah. always trying to fix. What happens? If that is that, but that's on the table. Then what's the thing that happens? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's and there's a, there's a lot of uh, scenario solutions, a lot of frequently asked questions in the back, that sort of stuff. Uh, we made up a few house rules. Don't know if we would go and cheaty or not, but um, I mean, I suppose, yeah. If you if you agree on everything, then that's then everything's yeah. fine. We <laughs> found that we use we use the camera technique. Yeah, you know, just, if you actually find you like if you've got an iPhone or something like that, if you zoom, if you hold it up real close and take a photo, you can actually see if there's a a hair's breadth of uh, card covering the edge of the card, you know, for those like, really tight that, moments. That was going to be my pro tip, but I guess yeah. I have to come up with another one now, which is uh, sleeve the cards. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think yeah. we haven't done that yet, but I think you have to sleeve the cards because it's the quality of the cards to throw them because um, you have to – you're physically interacting with them. It's not just the shuffling and them becoming grimy or anything like that. It's no. that they need to be able to be thrown. I mean, any kind of bend or – they bash against other cards, which opens yeah. it up to to the edges, uh, buckling, bowing, splitting, whatever cardboard related injuries for for the, so for the card, yeah, just not for, for the for players. No, no, that's right. You know well, what though? I'm I'm looking at my playtest copy here, which we have played hundreds of times. The linen finish on the cards is pretty durable. Yeah, and that's 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 one of the things Kim talks about is that they wanted to get the best quality cards because they knew that they were going to be thrown and they needed to be of a certain weight. You couldn't have a light card that would just fly everywhere. You needed to, you know, if you, if you can't choose a direction for the card to go in, uh, and when you throw it and it have a good chance of going that way, it, the game doesn't work. Yeah, these cards, it, it works with these cards, right? Yeah, no, it does, and. Um... And they've got the uh, color coding, different design. Yeah, outline. that's what I was going to say around the border. So yeah. you, you easily can identify your whose uh, cards are your whose? cards because they have uh, the borders are denoted by color as well as design. Yeah, so, that was intentional. The design yeah. and color thing, so that uh, colorblind people wouldn't have a drama with it. Yeah, Which yeah, it's really thoughtful, and you know, as I think lots more of examples of that is coming are coming out, where uh, people. Uh, with different needs are being considered, which is really good to see that in a first game, uh, first release from um, from Good Games Publishing, Good Games Publishing and um, Secret Base Games. Secret Games. Sorry, I just had a blank. Uh, that they're considering that those things are considered in in the design process. So, which is really good to see. Yeah. But so um, one thing that we haven't talked about is that if you kickstarted Monstrous you will have received uh, the Release the Kraken expansion. Yeah. Um, currently, it's all done with ancient Greek pottery art. We've literally just taken taken pictures of ancient Greek pottery that show the monsters that we're talking about, stuck it on the card. Um, 
But all of the monsters that are in there, they come with a special location which lets you draw from the legendary monster deck. And all of them have bigger, badder, game-busting powers. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So, so these, these are all within the release the Kraken expansion? Yep. Yep. So, for example, uh, let's have a look at the Chimera. Uh, when you hit a location, you discard, discard all other monsters hitting this location and gain a faith for each. Ah, so they go. They would all go back, bounce back to the person's underworld. That's right. You'd score faith equal to that, and the other players. Oh, but that could include yourself, though, couldn't it? It could. Yeah, it could. You got to be careful with it. The Minotaur uh, discards one hit monster, lets you draw a card, and you gain a throw. Okay. So he gives you a little bit of everything. Yeah. But the biggest and best of them is the Kraken. <laughs> yeah, this one sounds fun. So before you throw the Kraken, you give every other player two tentacle cards. Then, whoever's got the Kraken yells, release the Kraken, and <laughs> everyone throws their cards at the same time. <laughs> right. And everything that's touched is, t- is destroyed. So there's that. You hold a Kraken a tentacle in each hand and throw it, or you throw it two in one hand. Is there a rule on that? Uh, we've always done uh, we've always done one in each hand. Yeah. But uh, you know, look if you reckon you can go to the skill level of two in one hand, I'd love to see it. So you've got yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So there is some control over you can have a bit of an idea about where you want to place those oh, yeah. tentacles. Yeah. So everyone it, gets to destroy stuff with the kraken. <clears throat> yeah. Are locations at all affected? Uh, well, no, the, the kraken won't destroy a location, but no. um, you'll uh, you'll still gain. With the, with the body of the Kraken, you'll still gain any bonus from hitting mm. a location. Are there any uh, new locations in the in the expansions? Just the one that unlo- unlocks the uh, the deck, the the legendary monster deck. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was the first thing that excited Matt said when we opened the box was that there was a little bit of space in there. He was like, expansions. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. beyond release the Kraken. Is well, the... there are there are some ideas kicking yeah. around the office. Uh, and, uh, and it will probably happen. But the next thing that we're going to do is actually kickstart, release the Kraken with uh, the full proper art. Oh, okay. Instead of just the pottery art, we're going to have proper Kraken, scary tentacle behemoth art. Yeah, yeah to match the, uh, the quality of the original game. Right. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it should be really good. Yeah. And uh, that should be happening in the next, uh, probably in the next two months, I'd say. Okay. So is that going uh, to just be the the expansion Kickstarter release, or is that going to be coupled with the original original game? There'll be there'll be a tier where you can pick up the original game as well if you missed it originally. Yeah. Cool. Uh, right. But also, um, as we've said, the game's going to be in stores. Uh, yeah. We're expecting middle of May. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. So just to put it in context of uh, why you would play it, who you would play it with, what do you, what do you reckon, Matt? Uh, this is a game that you can play with kids all the way up. This is, this is, in fact, one of the things that I very early you could introduce these kids, as long as they can throw a card and it land on the table. The strategy of it, though, sort of, oh, we were talking about this other role. Like, my daughter is six, my son is 11. Fine for my son. My daughter wouldn't be able to conceive of the, the strategy behind it, no. reading the cards. But you so could you almost, have to be on that. You could almost leave out some of those rules. How, house rule it so that all you're doing is. The gaining the faith element, or you're you're destroying, or you, you take mm. control of that for them. 
Um, exactly. And remember that you've got the backside of each card having just yeah, the, the yeah. flat gain of faith for ah, yeah, hitting yeah. something. Yeah. My, my, my biggest rap on this game is that as soon as you're playing it, everybody at the table is a, is, is a child again. Because, uh, you know, when we, we, we play a, a crap ton of games, right? And most of the time it's, here's a mechanic, plug it into this mechanic that we're familiar with, and then this mechanic, here's the overall theme, away we go. And it's not a huge leap away from anything else that we've done. When, I, when we started playing this, I initially was like a dexterity game. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm fine doing dexterity things, but I just thought I don't know how it's going to pan out. As soon as we started playing it, that inner child that it, it took me back to when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, and I would start playing games for the first time. Yeah. And I was feeling like, wow, anything can happen. When I play games, I'm entering different worlds. This can happen. I wonder what else there is, you know. This is all about that. You feel like this is something fresh and completely new. And it's it's a big step away from a lot of other games that we've played. Yeah. And just super fun. Like I said in that pro tip about declaring what you're going to do. Declaring what you're going to do and it going wrong is just like every sporting blooper ever. And, and <laughs> then you're just creating those all of the time. It's just fantastic fun. I really, I really engage with the <clears throat> theme. Uh, and, and I said this about uh, Magic the Gathering Ther- when the Theros block was released because yeah. that was very mythologically Same sort based. Of, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I really connected with that, So which is why I went all out and to collect that set. Now, this has that same sort of feel. It's engaging. It's exciting. It, it is, it's a game you can play. You're having a few beers. You can have a few more beers because as long as you can still stand <laughs> yeah. up and throw a card. There's a drinking game waiting to happen to attach to this. <laughs> Sorry, younger yeah. li- Sorry, younger listeners, but that could happen, you know, yeah. sculling lemonade before you know it. Uh, but but that's, that's the key thing is um, uh, it was, it was kick-started to get money for art, and, and it shows that... Kim said he was just really picky about getting the right art, the right artist, yeah. and then just pushing them to get it so that it looked the right way. And you, you see, all of this, there's not a, there's none of these cards that are taking a, a moment off either. You know, it's not like oh, you know, the Cyclops looks great, but the Hydra, eh, you know, they're all fantastic they all, looking. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of synergy. And one of the things I noticed was that there's actually multiple artists. Yeah, five of them. Yeah, yeah. but there's an overall, there's a synergy throughout the whole deck so you wouldn't have thought if you were just picking up this deck for the first, this game for the first time and looking through all the art you would have a hard time thinking that there was more, multiple artists which um which is is great because it means that they had a clear direction ideal and direction it's the art direction yeah yeah that's it i mean you, i mean unless you listen to a podcast that's telling you that there's five artists or you're <laughs> reading the back of it you you would play this game and not think twice about the about the, the cards mate it's not like um it's not like you're playing magic you know and there's uh, the cards jump from one thing to another one art style to another and that's fine that works for magic but this is just an, an inbox game yeah. and all everything gels really nicely yeah uh, so the verdict i'm stunned by it oh, i can't believe it i've i it's it's a it's a little bit like the five tribes thing you know it's like i was expecting a lot less i got a ton more uh, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I love the way that Jamie's sort of sitting there in the background because uh, he's had a greater experience with this than both of yeah, us Yeah, he's had. played it to death. So, yeah, look, you know, it's not so much that I've played it to death. It's just uh, I like hearing what you guys have experienced about it, you know. Oh, that's... I've, uh, I've seen so much of the playtest and, and seeing the initial responses has been really amazing, actually. It has, isn't people... it? 
it's talking been... about how we got monstrous. Monstrous is here. It's great. I played it with my kids. They love it. You know, it's it's fantastic. I mean, Matt and I opening the box has is got generated more traffic on Seven Line Hand than a lot of our other stuff. You know, like if we're used to getting like five, six, seven, five, five, six hundred hits for a good post. You know, and that's just a post just during the week. This one's got you know eight, nine hundred. Uh, views of just me and Matt sitting down opening Monstrous and that's because of the interest behind this game yeah one comment I will make about the the box the art design on the box is that the title of the game Monstrous sticks out like well it's shiny it's yeah along with the Cyclops spit yeah that's that's it so immediately there's no allusions to what this game is there's no ambiguity you know you're playing monstrous. There's the Cyclops. It's iconic. Matt likes picture. the lettering. I like the Cyclops. And the, the way spit. the lettering just stands out. The Cyclops I, spit. I, I noticed that on the video that, that the my eyes were constantly yeah. drawn to the, the top, to the title of the game. The spit, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, so well, yeah, well done on the art design. I'd my say. personal favorite is the Hydra. I think the art on that's just off the charts. But um, there's no denying that Cyclops reaching out of the frame to get you is just so iconic for the game. You know? It is, isn't it? I said that on the on the unboxing. It's just like, yeah, this 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 grabs you. It's good fun. It's 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 says it's fun because he's he's big and he's scary, but he's kind of he's kind of saying this is fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And hey. 1,200 steps on your Fitbit, David. It's, uh... <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I measured my Fitbit for those uh, or listeners that are following the Facebook page closely. I, I checked what my uh, steps were up to on the Fitbit, and it was, yeah, about, what, 1,200 steps just about, I think. Because yep. you, you dance around the table doing it. Yep, has you moving around. So it's not a static game. So it's... throw cards with one hand, eat loads of calories with the other, mindful of the fact that you're burning stuff off That's at the it. same time. It's, it's a perfect exercise oh, regime. Man. <laughs> Not enough to make me give up running away from imaginary zombies, though. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, my my I th- think very highly of this game, and it's one that I could see will come off the shelf very regularly. Yeah, um, because there's no. And that's why I'm saying you got. That's why I agree. You got to sleeve these cards because. This is a game that you're not going to play four or five times and that's going, so going to be it. You're going to want to keep playing this. Yeah. And it's one of those that you can pull off. Like for who you would play it with, this is one of those games. I was telling people at work today, I was like, you know, you've you got, you got to come around to dinner in like the next few weeks. We'll play this game, Monstrous. It's going to be one of those you can pull, pull out. And as soon as that engaging the, the kid inside of you starts, yeah. people, people are going to engage with this game. It's going to be an easy one to introduce people to. I'd like to see this played on a big round table. You're just getting that's like just one of the VIP that's rooms. just because you're freaky about geometry and, and shapes. <laughs> no, I just think it'd be great because then you're circling, it looks like a globe, uh, you're circling the world. I think it would add another. Yeah. Level there's u- to there's it, usually but... a side of the table which you can't get to, isn't it? If you're on a rectangular yeah. table, there's that there's the long side, and so you're always that's trying it. to find your the shortest route between the edge of the table and where your card is wants to land and not upset your wife that you, you're encroaching too much. <laughs> Pro tip, don't play with your wife. Spoken <laughs> like, like a man who has experience. Yeah, yeah. I'll right. tell you what. Yeah. I, I think it's time that we let the man speak for himself. Uh, the, the interview with Kim. Oh, we'll okay. Put that in the can. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we do that? Yeah, I think we can right. do that. Well, okay. Well, let's, Why blob, not? let's blob and listen to uh, this. Will be, well, you're about to disappear, Matt, and turn into a guy called Luke Lancaster. That's it. Uh, and Jamie and I are there. But um, yeah, Kim Breback talking about how uh, Monstrous came to be in the Hurstville store. Look forward to it. All right, here it is. <laughs> 
Welcome to the distant past and simultaneously the far future as this pre-recorded interview with, uh, with Kim, David and uh, my good friend Luke Lancaster. Hello. Uh, Kim Breback. Kim Breback, designer of... Monstrous. Monstrous. <laughs> uh, coincidentally, after we've reviewed it today. I know. So, um, look, let's, let's... I want to work backwards on Monstrous. It's starting to arrive places now. By the time this podcast drops... There's an outside chance that you'll see it in a store, but probably probably a little week, a little while off. Still. You're saying May? You're thinking May? Yeah, May. Yeah, yeah. it'll, it'll be mid May. But right now, as it is, it's started to be delivered. You've seen the first feedback from people. How are you feeling about Monstrous right now, Kim? Uh, it's a pretty awesome feeling, actually. <laughs> like it's been such a long time working on it from the past few years to get it all the way through the Kickstarter phase, getting it funded, finishing off everything. And then finally getting all the logistics of all the Kickstarter shipping mm. sorted out and seeing it land in people's uh, when did you s- When did you start? When was the first monstrous moment in the... Be at least two and a half to three years ago now, I think. Yeah. Um, and I designed a much, much bigger game before Monstrous um, and then just decided to design Monstrous as a little quick exercise to design a very, very small, yeah. um, quite short, punchy game. But it had a life of its own and needed to... Yeah, very quickly, the people I was playtesting it with were like, this is really fun, this really works. And I knew it was so quick and constrained because it only has like 12 monsters and 12 locations in it that it would be easy to finish it really fast and and polish it and get it. That was one of the first things that came to mind. Like, we, Matt, when we were first playtesting it, we were, well, not playtesting, you know, playing it, um, was that we immediately felt like we did when we were little kids playing games and there were no... Like, you know when you sit down with a new game these days, you go, oh, this is that mechanic and that mechanic. Okay, we know how to play this game now. Yeah. With Monstrous, it immediately felt like this anything's possible here. You know, it's like it's completely different to what we've been used to engaging with recently. And that was fun. And I definitely felt the inner kid go, all right, let's That's do right. this. You well, know? It's interesting that you picked that up because it's yeah. definitely a design goal is to try and use... Because it is what I'd call a tactical dexterity game. There's yeah, which is an interesting choice, monsters, right? Mm. And card powers on the locations that you're throwing at. You physically have to throw the monster cards down at the locations and try and trigger combinational powers between them. But so the tactics is there as a kind of adult game, and then any, you know yeah. the sort of things that you'd expect out of any any kind of re- recent modern game. Um, but the throwing is the. The tactics is there. It's achieving the tactics. Because that's tactics. the fun bit, isn't it? You go, I'm about to do this. That's right. And then whether it happens or not... Is the question. Yeah. And there can be uh, you know, unfortunate side effects of yeah. what you actually land on. <laughs> but sometimes you can actually do something and go, oh, that's actually almost as good or just as, just as good or even better. Um, so it's about making the best of what you, what you do with your throws. One of the things I love about Monstrous, and, and you know, I, was, I was there, so I got to see it, is that the game is it's a reaction to playing something you didn't enjoy, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's more a reaction to playing another game that I hoped would be more like this experience that wasn't. Yeah. So the, the key thing that we did with Monstrous is with dexterity games, they have a real belief that when you throw something and you hit or, or miss it, you want that resolved almost immediately. And so we really try to get instant feedback from when yeah. you throw a monster. There's a very quick little um, Tallying sequence up sort of, of yeah. how you actually resolve what happens. So it's only, only five steps long and um, you very quickly able to get that feedback from how your throw actually went. And so people get this feeling of elation. You often see people, like if they do a bad throw, they'll slump. And if they do a good throw, there'll be a fist pump or, or some kind of very vocal thing. People play standing up around the table, which I think once we clicked onto that moment, it was like, okay, we really have something different here. Um, play standing up, people move each other around the table. They're bumping each other out of the way with their elbows. 
and getting the right angle to throw from. And so it creates a much more social experience that suddenly you're much more willing to show more emotion in as well. That was something I was immediately attracted to as well because it's the only game that I play that adds steps to my Fitbit <laughs> as, as I'm dancing around the table. You know, I can get another thousand steps Monstrous in for a while. modern exercise. Yeah. <laughs> you actually burn off those calories that you're, you're throwing so on. All these same huge time. monsters you're hefting across the board. They weigh a lot. Yeah. Luke, you're legendary around here for cards hate you. They do. Along with dice and yeah. any sort of randomised mechanic. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, so you've, you've played Monstrous. I have played does Monstrous. It, does it help to abrogate some of that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I really did enjoy about playing Monstrous was, despite my abysmal, abysmal luck, it's still fun even when the game is hosing you because it is that kind of um, thematic capriciousness to what you're doing. Um, and other people are... Uh, because it is a dexterity game, hosing themselves just as much. So it's nice to see people on the other side of that as well. I didn't hit Hades, but I sure got you in the head. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah there's a good dose of schadenfreude when you're playing Monstrous and seeing other people's throws go horribly wrong. But the game has a kind of natural momentum where in the beginning of the game there's just five locations that you're throwing at, big cards in the middle of the table. But throughout the game, more and more monsters get laid out. Mm-hmm. And when you throw your monsters, you're going to hit some of them and often there'll be good side effects. Yeah, there's, there's a really nice kind of escalation to it because of that. Yeah. And there's an escalation in the way you give the five locations that you start with as well, like when you when you first play the game, the introductory yeah. game, and then, because uh, they don't have the, uh, the mechanics of, no, I've got it written down here, yeah, the starting locations are cool, but then the underworld deck recycling locations come in after that, and then that takes it up another level, that's and right, that's really yeah. fun because all of a sudden, you're trying to work out ways that you can, ca- you know, you can be ten points behind. You can work, try and work out a way where you get extra throws and like generate more points than you would normally. Absolutely, I think that's really a cool way of well, with something grading we, the we, game up. That's right. With something we did is set up a, a very quick explanation or a very quick uh, intro game, which involves some of the simpler locations that don't have that many combinational powers in them. So you can play that game in 15 minutes probably with three players. And once you've got that, you've got all the basic concepts of the game, you're probably going, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I yeah. could do this and that? And then we add in these new locations where you add in all sorts of different deeper powers and people will start to see that depth of combinational possibilities in the game. So mm. that's definitely you, intentional. How do you feel about it? Because there's a, a lot of shuffling, a lot of handling of cards. And in, in addition, there's, it's probably something that you can play with, like, you know, your kids and it's yeah. quite young. So the cards... Immediately, people are going to say, I want to sleeve them. Yeah, sure. You can play is with that sleeves. Gonna, like, yeah. What we've done with the card stock is make the, the thickest card stock. Oh, we absolutely. Could find. So, yeah. 350 GSM, whereas something like a Magic card is about 300 GSM. So, they're significantly thicker than a, a, a normal playing card. And they've also got a linen finish. So, linen finish will create little air pockets between the cards. We have to do all this research. Yeah. <laughs> when you throw something and, and, for and the it slides. lands, like, does it slide or, or not stick, yeah. so you want to play this game probably on a tablecloth that doesn't have any creases in it that'll give you more friction as the cards land on the table and stop them skimming off the table Matt and I have been playing it on a felt tablecloth which I was saying it's just like the casino yeah. <laughs> yeah, felt <laughs> is the in. deluxe experience <laughs> honestly or perhaps a, you know, a good, very good neoprene play uh, after the amount of playtesting we've done as well you've, you've got to start getting to pro mode where you're doing you're left handed and you're only allowed to do helicopter throws you know? right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've, got, I've got three true or falses here the facts Jamie told me about my it's the first one you've almost touched on. He said that the cards were polished using the dried tears of angels. Is that is that part of the linen finish? Uh, or is that a true or false? Yeah, there's a special effect that you can get from angels' tears that yeah. they create little air pockets in the card surface. That's so that we, stripy line look that you get. Right, like yeah. That's right. It makes, them, it makes them go out, faster. Yeah, that's right. It comes out like a grid as well. Who would have thought? 
So that's false. What, what else did false? What okay. else did I say? Oh, you want, you want more? <laughs> oh, it said um, when the box inserts originally arrived, they were in the shape of Kim Kardashian's backside. Uh, no. No, no. Okay, and finally, uh, each each card designed for flight is exactly the same weight as the European B. That's, that's, that's correct. That's a correct that's one. Right. Correct. <laughs> the average right. European B. Yeah. 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 So two out of three facts that's that right. Jamie tells me, nonsense. No, so, look, Luke, you're, you're uniquely positioned here in some ways. Do you think this is the kind of game that you could play at work? I can't, I can't answer this because, you know... My Your work is not the same as other yeah. people's work. That's right. And Kim, Kim's played this everywhere oh, no, with this everyone. Is, so. This is totally a yeah. casual game that I would introduce to people who aren't, you know, crazy board gamers. Um, and that kind of gateway game is something I'm constantly on the lookout for. And this is like a really cool, don't worry, I can teach you this game in 30 seconds and it will be done in 20 minutes, which you cannot say about a lot of games you want to try to get people to play. And the only thing that I think tripped Matt and I up was the tense of the cards. So once a creature is on a location, it's it's hitting and continuing to hit. So when it says, uh, oh, you throw this card onto a uh, creature, it has an effect on anything that's hitting that. And it's like, well, it's, so is this one still hitting? And then we just had to figure that out. But once that, once you got that tense right in your head, all the instructions mm. and became quite straightforward. Right. The whole, the and if you've got someone who's played, because I mean, we're just figuring it out on our own in a room by yeah. ourselves. Uh, yeah, workplace. You can. Yeah. Do, this would be so much fun because it's quite intuitive as to. These, yeah, the I mean, it's an excellent drinking game as well. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't have to be that drunk to do it better. Another yeah. thing. Yeah. Before I started against publishing, we played at our Christmas party last year, and uh, people were having a lot of fun. Angel uh, tears are beer retardant. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's important. <laughs> <laughs> the card won't soak up the beer <laughs> as it's happening. So, um, uh, well, we'll look, while we're going back in the past, let's let's talk about the origins of Monstrous. Um, so yeah. we'll get to, to the megalithic game that you're working on <laughs> at the time later. But um, what sort of what did you really want to achieve with Monstrous that you felt that you couldn't get out of the other games that you were, you've been working on? Uh, I wanted a, a very short, constrained experience that still had a lot of tactical variability, and uh, I was uh, I'm very attracted to the idea of a very different. Um, resolution mechanic, which is the throwing and what actu- what cards actually hit what other cards. Mm. I wanted something that was simple that didn't involve adding up numbers and stuff like that. So it's just, did it hit it or did it not hit it? And, you know, there's a little bit of maths in the game about how many points There's still fights over that sometimes. Right, yeah. <laughs> People using their camera on their phones to zoom into something and go, look, it is! It's <laughs> but, um, if it's under the card but the card is raised, does it count? Yeah, yeah. it does count. You can see monsters in any way you like. Um, so, yeah, the, the goal was to create a very, very short game that had a minimum number of cards on it. I wanted to have deluxe art in the game, but I only wanted to have about 12 monsters because um, I figured that was enough to create uh, a lot of variables when you look at the combinations of those 12 monsters with different unique powers with each other. And locations. And the locations that they're going on. We'd be able to have a rich, deep game experience, but with a very, very kind of minimal set of art. And that would allow me to spend a lot of money on really deluxe art to really yes. draw into the theme. So we kind of went to town on the art for the game. Which it definitely does. And there's a, like uh, Matt and I were saying, it, that was the first thing that struck us. It was just, and I, I know that's why 
you know, you said on your Kickstarter, it's like, why Kickstarter? Artwork, and yeah. that's what, what costs. Mm. But there's this lovely uh, way that all of the artwork blends, and we were initially saying, oh, shout out to the guy, the, the guy who did the artwork for yeah. this. But then that's not the case, is it? It's, no, no, we have how a many... total of five artists. Yeah. We have, um, and we're kind of distinguished in the, art, in the game in two different ways. One, there's very large, like double size, card size location cards that sit on the table and you see those from a god's eye view so in yes. the game you sort of stand up around the table like gods looking down at, at the mortals in ancient Greece so the, the locations are all like <laughs> top down um, god's eye view things some of the cards even have a little bit of fluffy clouds around the edge like, <laughs> like, yeah. the, clouds, like the cheesy old uh, 60s Greek mythology movies and that <laughs> sort of stuff but the monsters are really visceral, popping out of the cards. Monsters are kind of the last things the mortal sees as they're yeah. chased back into the temples or whatever. I yeah. feel a little hesitant to pick up the Hydra because it does look like it's about to bite. Yeah, you know, like it's it's, it's <laughs> great. Yeah. Never seen so many. So that was a single card. So that was one, <laughs> one guy did the locations, but and how many? Four different artists did the other monsters, so we split the monsters between those guys. And how the hell did you keep? Because like you, when you look at the cards, it, you could quite easily think it was it was one person. So there's a lot of direction you had to get involved I spent in there. Weeks and many, many, many late nights trawling through hundreds of different artist portfolios and trying to find blocks of artists whose styles I thought similar. meshed with each yeah. other enough that I could go, if I had these four guys, they would look similar enough. Yeah. And then I worked on a global art brief that showed sample art of the sort of style that I was after and basically just tried to herd them all into the same space. Yeah. And once we had a couple of pieces of art, the other guys kind of followed their lead a bit. We had some guys who had more sort of painterly style, which is kind of rough brush stroke style yeah. that used, but others that are, are much more precise and drawn. But I think we, I hope we feel like we've produced a coherent whole. It definitely looks that way. But yeah. you, when you look at the Cyclops, he's very smoothed off, for example, as yeah. opposed to the Gorgon, who's very chunky looking. But you hold them at, at arm's length, and you know it's this, it's, this is the same game. That's right. It's yeah. When you see things at a, a table distance, then then they do definitely perform a coherent whole. But you should be able to spot once you understand the artist's style. You should be able to go, ah, oh, okay, this artist did these two or three pieces. Yeah. And, but for everyone who's playing, no, when it's, it's the game is playing monsters, it's not spot the artist. No, yeah. So yeah, it right. gets you involved in the game. It's and got that layer to it as well. Yeah. Hmm. So monstrous has given birth to a lot of things actually. Um, but probably the, the biggest one is that it's the flagship title for Good Games Publishing, yeah. which um, started as sort of a pipe dream for myself and a couple of the guys at head office, and, um, and you've come on board to direct it. Tell us about the publishing company side of things as opposed to the designing a game to be published side of things, and yeah. where, where do you see us going? Well, it's very interesting because like a few years ago there were no really well-known game publishers... Um, in Australia, and so game designers in Australia really had nowhere to turn to. Um, Kickstarter's really enabled game companies to, to pop up, uh, and we're not the only ones, so Good Games um, is, is pretty new, and we've got a bunch of games in the pipeline, but there are a bunch of other uh, small Kickstarter-based publishing companies mm. out there as well. So it's really enabled Australian designers and publishers to come up and make games and get them to a global stage, and that was always our strategy and will probably continue to be our strategy, is games that look fantastic, have great themes, very approachable, very pitchable. We'll probably use Kickstarter for most of the things we do where we think Kickstarter's a good way to get the games out there on a global stage. But when I'm doing all the fulfillment for the games, it's just fantastic to look through literally thousands of people from all sorts of different countries all around the world just going, they want this game, they want this <laughs> game, and they can get it really easily through Kickstarter. Mm. So we'll be Kickstarter-friendly um, 
for a period of time until it doesn't make any sense anymore. It hasn't slowed Cool Mini or not down. Sorry? It hasn't slowed Cool Mini or slowed Cool Mini or not down. I mean, they're still pumping them out there's through this, that. There's this kind of view that seems to be their business model now. Yeah, right? yeah. it is, definitely. Um, there's a kind of weird view out there that uh, when you do a game on Kickstarter, it kind of taps out your audience and that people who wanted the game have already bought it. But I think that may be true of some games in some kinds of spheres, like very, very tailored games for particular niche audiences that are going to come to Kickstarter and get it. But for a game that's like light family or light gateway fun, there's tons of people who just don't look to Kickstarter at all. Of course. And you can use the benefits of Kickstarter, like we were saying before, to get fantastic, to pay for fantastic art that you would never be able to afford yeah. naturally if you're a new games company. And then you can launch that. And that's kind of been our strategy so far. Especially Kickstarter to get really intense art and get out there on a global stage. Especially for a gateway game, there really isn't a, a limited audience in the end. Um, as speaking as as a store owner, you know, we still sell Catan. You know, it's, it's been it's been twenty years <laughs> and five editions right? and you know hundreds of thousands of millions of copies, and it's still going. So um, that's definitely a big part of the good games publishing vision is to create games that have massive market potential and try and find those markets and ways to get into them. Okay. So we've got using our distribution connections, we've got really good connections with people in the states and in Europe and in Canada, and we're really trying to get the games that we do out into every. Area. We're looking at localization so we translate games into other languages. Um, and we're really trying to think also outside the box about how to get games in front of people in strange places. So if there was a chance to have a stand of monstrous sitting next to a bookstore shelf for Percy Jackson novels, that's yeah. something we'd look at. You know? we'll, we'll think outside the box. There's an increasingly diverse number of ways that people are going to try and get hold of games. And I know, and I know on, cakes, on Kickstarter, like, we always get shafted in Australia because we're furthest away from everywhere, even though a lot of them are saying they produce stuff in China. And you go, yeah. oh, great, shipping yeah. should be fantastic. Oh. It's like, no just within America and everyone else can get stuffed. Or so, extra, yeah. Yeah, and so doing it from Australia, getting localised around the world, is that, is that, uh, does that mean that everyone else in the world gets shafted or is it no, able no, that you no. can... So so start because we got out? shafted, I came up with a new method of shipping Kickstarter stuff um, yeah. for light games and it's, I guess, at the moment called the Send From China method and the model is that you make stuff in China and you fulfil it from China yeah. everywhere okay. at the same time. So basically, we're using a big fulfillment company called Send from China to send all copies of the game around the world at about the same price. There's maybe a dollar variance depending on the oh, you're in, but it goes out to everywhere. Because you same make time. sales by doing that, because the amount of time, especially, I mean, that was the first thing I thought. I thought monstrous card game shipping, yeah. you know, because loads of card games I've looked at on Kickstarter, I've gone, I'll play this, yeah. and then the shipping costs more than the game, about right. thirty-five so bucks for the game, sixty-five dollars for shipping. It's not happening. Look, Australia's only a small market, but we still got 300 plus backers in Australia for Monstrous, which yeah. is actually a huge amount of sales for, like that straight up the bat hits sales, very, very high sale numbers in Australia. So um, I think that what we were able to get is just more international backers, which gave us more success, which gets us more on the international stage. So that was that was always the strategy, Glo free global shipping to just try yeah. to get as many backers as possible. To and the thing I was thinking about with the... With the, what works for Kickstarter is, is gamers know gamers because you've got to play with somebody and you rock up with, the, with a game and there's been a few where it's been oh, I, I like the look of this game, I enjoyed playing it can I get it? Oh, I kickstarted it, can't get it anymore yeah, so if you've got yeah. a Kickstarter game and it's re you get available by retail then you, it's just advertised itself That's Absolutely, our model is to make games use Kickstarter to make games as good as they possibly can be and then get them the hell out into every yeah. retail channel you possibly can Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely a deliberate strategy behind all of that 
Uh, I've got a uh, like a uh, like a nuts and bolts in the game sure. uh, thing. Uh, we were I mean, it might be easily answered. Why do we discard the same cards to the underworld at the beginning of the game? Uh, just to make people so, just to explain that a little bit further. Yeah. The game kind of scales to the number of players by. If you're playing a four-player game, you're going to get four of the 12 cards you play with and discard four of those into the discard pile so they're not available in this game. Yeah. Um, and arguably, some people might think that some cards are more powerful than others. And that's actually true depending on the stage of the game that you're in. So, you know, a Siren's yeah. great to throw down really, really early in the game and terrible to throw late. Whereas a Dragon's great to throw late game and not early. Yeah. So if we had some people losing early game cards and some people losing late game cards variably then oh. people would be able to say I was the game was kind of preset for me not to do so well in the late game or have mm. those kind of attitudes so we just wanted to feel people had an even playing field in the, in the cards they couldn't get access to but the deck of cards that they have remaining to them is shuffled randomly so there yeah, is some so randomness there in terms yeah. of what you're going to get early I thought it was a balancing thing, but it it's was. interesting to hear that late uh, game, early game thing as well. Yeah. It takes a, a bit more interesting. Well, people, it's often interesting to see people as they play the game start to realize, oh, I should save this guy yeah. when he's really powerful. That's what Matt and I were noticing in our playing. It's like, yeah, the, the more you get, to, well, same with any card game, yeah. isn't it? Once you, more you get to know the cards, it's like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, but right. the first couple of games, I'll throw anything down That's and see right. what happens. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, one thing I've been interested in is, like, you've been talking a lot about stuff like the Underworld, where cards have gone to the Underworld, stuff like the Kraken, which summoned a bunch of tentacles, very chaotic. Uh, did you approach this game thematically first or mechanically first? Um, very paired together. Like, a lot of players will talk about theme and mechanics and separate them, but with this one, I really, really wanted to try and make a game where those <coughs> things are really, really tightly wrapped in. So I think within the same half an hour thought bubble about the game those two theme and mechanics were, were in there together so all the development happened from that point onwards so um, it was I think probably mechanics first and then straight away Greek mythology we were looking for something where what's a good justifiable reason that we're actually throwing cards at other targets on the table and you know who am I like what am I as the actor you know, the agent in the game when I'm doing that and Seeing little monster cards, but picturing yourself as a big god, mm -hmm. throwing cards down, at cards on the table, being little mortals. The scale of that really works straight away as wrathful gods throwing monsters Absolutely. down. So we wanted to create an experience where um, it was kind of memorable. You're actually doing something you don't usually do in other games, which is behaving as a god rather than trying to appease the gods. You're the gods trying to get the mortals to worship you again. And so very quickly, once we had that basic thematic idea, and then all the fantastic uh, array of Greek monsters just gave us all these different card combinations and powers that we could work with. Um, the Kraken tentacles, absolutely, yeah. absolutely thematic. Yeah. We're all the way trying to find every monster that we have is how can it be thematically expressed through its mechanics. Yeah, I mean, I suppose once you had that idea of the Greek gods smiting the mortals, then you've got this whole list of monsters, and it's like, okay, that's yeah. what this monster was, but how do we represent that mechanically? Right. So, you know, if you know your Greek mythology, the Cyclopses were chucking rocks down at, uh, was it Perseus on one of his journeys? Anyway, Odysseus. Odysseus, that's right. So, in the game, um, the Cyclops picks up other monsters and throws them. So, mm -hmm. they're physically going to reach down, pick up another monster and chuck it across the board somewhere else. So, that was a, one example, whereas the Siren... Um, sings a song that gets more powerful the more people it drags down so the more monsters that hit the siren the more victory points you get yep uh, whereas the gorgon yeah guess what's <laughs> going to happen with the gorgon <laughs> the gorgon it, the card gets killed straight away whereas the dragon has an area effect weapon it's kind of standard mythology stuff so it's going to blow up the cards that it hits yeah excellent so 
The Delphic Oracle has prophesied to me that we will, in fact, be hearing from you again in the future on Seven Land Hand. But um, what what is next for you game-wise, Kim? What's, uh, what's coming up? Well, we've got a couple of games in the works. One's called Unfair. It's a big theme park building game. Very, very different theme. This, this um, is this is good games publishing, good games not publishing. you specifically, yeah? specifically, yeah. So that's one of the biggest things we've got coming up in the middle of the year. Uh, we'll probably have another monstrous expansion that we did promise the backers uh, as soon as the Kickstarter was fulfilled as well, and that's the release the Kraken expansion. Um, so T- tell us about the Kraken. Okay. Everyone loves to uh, <laughs> release so the Kraken. We, we mentioned before that we had the underworld in the game. Below the underworld of the Greek mythology is Tartarus, where the worst of worst of the monsters get chucked by Zeus once he beats them up. Um, so in Tartarus, there's eight different monsters, one of which is the Kraken. They're all super-powered monsters. They kind of break the game in various different ways. Uh, but the Kraken is kind of the fun board game clearing one. So with the Kraken, you you, you pull the Kraken head out of the, um, the Tartarus deck, and before you throw it, you give every god two tentacle cards, and all the gods throw those two tentacle cards at the same time, and whatever cards get hit by those tentacles gets whacked out. Um, nothing can stop them. They're giant, whomping tentacles. So tend to have this great moment of the game where we all just wrath of the gods, clearing the board. <laughs> and then the player who's going to throw the Kraken head throws that, and it, it scores a lot of extra victory points out of the place that it hits. So it's just a it's kind board of... Sweeper sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, board sweeping effect yeah. that all the players love. <clears throat> I know we had it in playtesting. Is it still in the rule book that you have to yell, release the Kraken? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to yell all together, release the Kraken as you throw it. Oh, can I ask, what's your first player rule? Our first player rule is youngest god goes first. They're the quickest. It's a, it's a sound choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so look, that, that's coming soon from Good Games Publishing. We've got heaps of other stuff in the pipeline. Tell us about this great, big, ridiculous card game that we were working on in the first place when Monstrous came up. Okay, so... Because I, I love this game and I want to see it happen one day. It will happen. It will happen. <laughs> We've just had some very, very exciting... Um, ways that we're going to redevelop it. So it's a combative kingdom-building, deck-building game where uh, instead of just selecting cards from a row in a usual deck-building kind of context, uh, you actually have to fight over them. So the whole idea is there's a fallen kingdom that's been corrupted by magical power sourced from you know meteors and other stuff like that. Um, and you have to try and rebuild the kingdom. And one of the key decisions along the way is do I use the corrupting but powerful magic that was there before that's quite viral and spreads like the plague throughout the land when you start using it? Or do I try and clean that kind of stuff up and get extra kudos victory points that way? But basically you have to combat your way through winning over um, locations that you build through to your kingdom and also persuading other heroes to join you. So that's the sort of deck building mechanic. You're actually winning cards into your deck and building those. The original version of the game was very, very large games would take about two hours even though a four-player game they're very very deeply engaging it's kind of like a magic the gathering draft but in a deck building environment where you're actually building a tableau of cards that have increasing levels of power well one of the things that held us back initially from doing that game was the sheer number of pieces of art that we would need that's right to make it so um we've got it down to about needing about 150 to 180 pieces of art and one of the reasons we did monstrous is we wanted to test out the whole idea of doing deluxe art on a smaller number of pieces uh, before we generated the interest that would make a much, much bigger, more ambitious game. 
as well. Having done Monstrous, does that help get other artists on board now? Yeah, I mean, is there anything for that? Monstrous is, oh, I'm not going to be shy about this, Monstrous is a deluxe looking game. Yeah. And it's like a great Absolutely business card for attracting other artists or publishers or distributors or retail. Everybody loves the look of the game. It's, yeah. like it's going to sell itself to some degree, hopefully. That was always the plan. Yeah. Um, so it definitely is a door opener. I'm able to show that and say this is the quality of the, the art that we aspire to and this is what we do. And people already, that's with the other games that we're doing, I'm able to show that and draw people in who might be otherwise be in a bit of a harder reach. Yeah. So that's definitely definitely helping. And we want all our games to look aesthetically fantastic. Yeah, I've always, you know, I've always admitted whilst we're doing this podcast, I'm the worst for that. Um, you know, Fantasy Flight have just got me by the scruff of the neck every time. <laughs> yeah, Someone's yeah, like, yeah. I want to play this because it's beautiful. And Matt will say, but the mechanics aren't that great. It doesn't matter. I want this game because of the way it looks. If you, you know? wanting to escape into a world and explore another world, the art is the, the primary thing that's going to draw you in in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm. Obviously, you want to know that there's great gameplay there as well. Yeah. Art is the first thing <clears> you're going to see and the thing that's going to stick to them. Um, and so the, yeah, so I was going to say as well, then... Uh, you know, in talking to Bruno Cathala the other week, uh, there was like certain parts of he's, he's got great games, no doubt. Certain parts of his games where I thought the the publisher might have let him down with like not so great artwork or like a lower quality card stock, where you know just a little bit better would have. Well, been he great. even said that that once once he lets go of it to a publisher, yeah, it's gone. It's and, sort of up to them, yeah. Yeah, and it must feel really good to be able to be in you know in contact with all that kind of stuff and be able to say, yeah, we're going to have a, a certain. Well, I think the good thing now is that the Kickstarter product. allows you to invest more in that kind of stuff than might otherwise have been economically sane to do. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people in the old school way of publishing would say, I think this game is really good. This is what we can afford to do right now. This is the outs we'll get. And out we put it out there and we don't know how it's going to go. Whereas these days I think you can, you can invest more in the look and feel of something to try and give it the best chance it can out there in the wilds. Yeah. All right. So look, um, where are people going to be able to physically see Good Games Publishing this year? Because we're, we're going to a few places, aren't we? Yeah, well, we're going to Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be at all the big Australian conventions. So there's obviously PAX later in the year, and there's the Sydney convention. Uh, looking, looking for, for gamers. gamers. Yeah. Looking for gamers. We'll be there as well. Um, we'll be in various stores around the place doing demonstration games of our up-and-coming games. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of people in Melbourne that we're going to go... Um, yeah, we're going to head down to Melbourne in a few weeks and work with some of the designers of our other games that we've got coming up as well. So we'll take all the games we have down there and do the rounds of the, the game stores down there and have our regular designer meetings. Co- coming over to Perth to play uh, Metallica Pinball in the Batcave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always on. It's always yeah. welcome. And we're looking at other conventions as well. So we're looking at possibly Origins and definitely Essen as well um, very closely to try and get to those kind of places. But in future years, we also want to try and get further afield because we... we we realise there's a whole world of gaming outside of the States and we want to be a big part of trying to make that happen at a global scale. So yeah. I want to go to Japan and have a look at the sort of Tokyo Games Fair and find some awesome games in Japan, but also take our games to Japan and, and uh, you know, localise them and do the translation work to get Japanese guys throwing monsters all over the place as well mm-hmm. and other games that suit their markets. There's various um, times. I know you did, you did it in uh, Canberra this year, this year or like last year where yeah. people came and pitched their games to you as well. Yeah, that's right. So Good Games will... That was a CanCon this year. CanCon, yeah. yeah, and we had a pitch session there. So um, we'll do the same at PAX. Uh, basically, anybody that wants to pitch a game design to us and we're at a convention, we'll, we'll make a time. It's fair chance we'll end up at Concentric as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There you go. In South Australia. There's your tip, listener, with your great game design. (laughs) It's a a really interesting time to be working in in game design and and gaming 
because we're sort of seeing the corporatization on one hand of gaming, but this this ridiculously strong grassroots movement of, of Kickstarter and even just local cons popping up at the Absolutely. moment. Um, so it's really vibrant and exciting. I'm, I I certainly love everything I do with publishing, and you know, I, yeah, I know you do because you've tremendous shape <laughs> in the last few years. And and I think the great thing is with all the new growth in board games, so 20% growth over seven years, mm-hmm. there's a massive interest in, in the big end of town looking at, at what board games can really do. And they're diversifying the ways you can get board games is increasing. It just feels like this is widespread boom happening, what's going on. So it really, really is yeah. an interesting time. Exciting times. Where can we find information about Good Games Publishing and Monstrous when we're not at a con? Okay, goodgamespublishing.com is the place to go if you want to find out about our games or make a submission. Um, you can get us at goodgamespublishing.com and you can reach both Jamie and I through that. Yep, or email publishing at goodgames.com.au. That's right. And um, Monstrous? Monstrous, we're looking at sale in Australia around May. So you'll be um, able to get it in retail stores, certainly in Australia, yeah, yeah then. The rest May. of the world it'll happen. The rest of the world, <laughs> we're considering holding off until Origin, so we're, mm-hmm. we're just trying to fix the date on, on a sort of a global release date as well. Yep. Um, are there any online options for... Yeah, you can order through secret-based games at the moment and soon through the Good Games Publishing site. There you go. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming and have a chat with us. I've got two, two final games. Oh, two, <coughs> two final two, things. Two final questions, sorry. Questions, yeah. Best game that somebody might not have heard of, not one of your own, what would you play? Dogs of War. At Do- the moment, is my current hot favourite. That is a fantastic game. It's a cool mini or not game, and uh, it was one of their first games. It re- wasn't really a miniatures game. Okay. And it's a fantastic game. Highly recommend it. Re- constantly engaging, many, many options. Opportunities to stab each other in the back, steal stuff from underneath <laughs> each other. Very, very high engagement. Loving that game at the moment. All right, and the last question is something we're trying to, you know, get a, as a standard question for everybody, except for Bruno, who we, we didn't hit with. It was just, how do you store your games at home? Are they around the house? Are they in a Tetris-style plan? Are they alphabetical? Are they by colour? Uh, it's a bit chaotic, but I have a, a fantastic um, Chinese red and gold cupboard with really, really deluxe design. All oh, the wow. prize games go in there. It's like the magic cupboard. Basically. You say all the prize games go in there. The good yeah, ones. the ones I love the most stay in the cupboard. So there's an overflow. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. an overflow. And where do they uh, go? Others get stored around on shelves and shelves <laughs> stacked on top of everything. Yeah. But yeah, the prize games go in there. Nice. That feels nice. You look at the cupboard and you go, I know what's the, in there. The Chinese <laughs> wall the cupboard. cupboard Fantastic. Oh, thanks for coming in, Kim. No worries. Thanks oh. for having me. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> Are you ready to play Matt's Monstrous Quiz? You're talking to me, aren't you? I'm talking to you. Jamie, I'm talking to you too. You ready? Present. I was born ready, Matt. Uh, This is the quiz that all other quizzes run away from. Screaming, look out! It's that quiz loosely based on a card-throwing game. And absolutely not Godzilla for copyright reasons. That's right. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd use some funny accent. Question one. The dud blockbuster sequel, yeah. Clash I, of the so, Titans. You, oh. I'm, I'm, only like, I'm only like two feet know, away I'm from you. I'm kind of yelling at You're yelling. Sorry. You're yelling right at me. <laughs> He's very excited. I'm excited about it's this okay. one. I was quite yeah. happy with this quiz, I must say. Yeah. All, All right. right. Sorry. 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 Question one. Quizmaster, Matt. Yeah. Look, listener, listener, can you just <laughs> find somewhere really, really quiet and alone? Yeah. Like, if you're driving in your car, that's great. But otherwise, like, go to the bathroom or something. But if you, and if, I want you all... Simultaneously, when I say go, to yell at David. Aww. Just so he gets used to it, okay? Ready, <laughs> set, go. Ah! Ah! <laughs> All right, Question sorry. one. The Dud Blockbuster sequel, 
Clash of the Titans was loosely based on the mythology of which Greek personality of antiquity? <laughs> right. So which personality was the the hero for Clash of the Titans? Oh, okay. Um so who was who was the hero of that series? That movie. I said to you earlier in the week. I love Greek mythology. Yeah. Oh no! I always get hammered in the this quizzes. This is going to go your way again, Jay. Yeah, you've already won. I concede. <laughs> I give up. Probably because all the research he's done for the game is based on Greek yeah. mythology. But anyway, I did some. I did some research on this re- recently. But I did. Oh, I did say go. to you during the week that I should. I said I should research um, Greek mythology That's for right. this test. And did I? No. <laughs> <laughs> So, which character from Greek mythology was the hero of the of Clash of the Titans? Okay. Question two. Percy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a lightning thief. Um, question two. Now, this one has five parts. All right. <laughs> yeah, great. I'm this starting is such early. A quiz already. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> this one's called Name That Beast. Then that beast. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, okay. So I'll give you the description of the beast and yeah. you write down what the beast is. None of these are Gygax beasts, are they? Because <laughs> no. they're stupid. No, they're all, uh, there's no owl bears. Yeah. No, all right. You're not going to get your Cthulhu mythos stuff either. No, no, no Shubnagrats. There's no Shoggoths. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Half man, half horse. What yes. is it? Okay. Half man, half horse. All right. I've already confused myself. <laughs> Next one? Yep. Three-headed dog. What is the name of the three-headed dog? Oh, yeah. Fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> Fluffy, yeah. <sighs> what is the name of the three-headed dog? Yeah, I know that. <laughs> oh, crap. So you're doing all right? No, no, but I can't write the answer down because I know it, but I, I'm not allowed to be told by my brain what the answer is at the moment. <laughs> the next oh. one. Part poultry with a serpent's <laughs> tail. Part <laughs> poultry? Part poultry with a serpent's tail. No, oh, you got me there. I'll go back to that three-headed dog one. Oh, yeah, what's <laughs> The next Magic. one. The one-eyed giant. Who is the one-eyed giant? We're not making penis jokes anymore on the show, are we? No, we are not. Right. We haven't... I don't Man, think there's that's... such a silly theme to these answers. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's got it, I think, already. All right, last one. Yeah. Lion head, goat body, snake tail. Oh, is that a goat body? Lion head, goat body, <clears throat> snake tail. All right. Lion head. Yep. Goat, goat body. That would be top heavy, wouldn't it? It would just conk <laughs> straight down. <laughs> All right, that's question two. Question three. The movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, is a modern-day satirical interpretation of which epic poem? Oh. There can be only one. I of constant sorrow. <laughs> You sound like a soggy bottom boy. All my days. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, Such a good so film. So do I. Yeah. Um, lots of lots of nice references in it, and great uh, great actors. Great comedy. Yeah. So the my movie, hair. the movie, O Brother, Without Where Art Thou, is a modern day satirical interpretation of which epic poem? Okay. 
Question four. I can see David's making the claw with his hands. So yeah. It's like the, oh, Zeus. It's that three-headed dog <laughs> one. I know that, and I just can't get the word. <laughs> Maybe it'll come to you with the next question. Yeah. Question four. The three-headed dog monster, otherwise known as. <laughs> yeah. Question four. What good comes of coupling with a bull? Oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Is that your answer? What good comes from coupling with a bull? That's Write down your answer. Oh. <laughs> what good comes of coupling with a bull? And question five. This one's called One Thing to Another. There are three parts. Okay, three questions. And you've got to figure out what the answer, what that thing is. There's three parts to this question? Yep. Okay. So God is to the Pope as Crom is to... <laughs> God is to the Pope yeah. as Crom is to what? If I answer Donald Trump to any of these, not, it's not going to be right, <laughs> is it? No. Probably not. Um. That's number one. Number two, Superman is to Krypton as Wonder Woman is to... Yeah, he's Mr. DC guy. Uh, That's not fair. I've I've spent my life loving Batman, best superhero, ignoring DC. If you'd like, I can beat you on Marvel trivia too. Yeah, probably. (laughs) What about ABC Warriors from 2000 AD? Uh, No, I think you'd get me on 2000 AD. Yeah. I did love that Dread movie. (laughs) <laughs> oh, sorry, totally. Oh, the Wonder Woman thing. I'm That's looking. two, yeah. Superman is to Krypton as Wonder Woman is to... Yeah. And the third one, the Argonauts are to Jason as the Myrmidons are to... <laughs> what? Who? The Argonauts are to Jason as the Myrmidons are to... Who? Mm. All right. And that... Is that? We'll go back to number one. Ready for some answers there, Jamie? Yep. Have you, have you figured git. out? Have you figured out <laughs> this question yet? I'm turning so, into Rimmer now. <laughs> how do you feel there, Jamie? Is this a hundred, hundred percent for you? Oh, uh, no. That uh, that coupling with a bull one's a little curly. <laughs> I've got a good answer for that one actually. It was the only one that required some uh, creativity. All right. <laughs> question one: The Dud Blockbuster sequel. No, that's not question one. Yeah, that is question one. Yeah, the, Dud Blo- question one. the Dud Blockbuster sequel, Clash of the Titans, because I don't think it did as well at the box office as the previous one, I think. Well, uh, hang on. Clash was a remake of Clash of the Titans from the 1960s, which was quite successful at the box office. But uh, what I'm referring to is it's part two in the sequel. Wrath of the Titans was the first one, so Wrath and then Clash. I thought Wrath was the second one. Anyway, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I thought that. I actually thought that too. But J- Jamie's the one that's showing off with his knowledge right now. <laughs> so it was loosely based on <laughs> mythology of which Greek personality of antiquity? Who was the hero of that movie, Jamie? It's funny you should say personality because it was Perseus. It, J- David. Oh, oh, I had Jason. Jason. No, it was Perseus. Yeah. All right. Question. <laughs> oh, hang on. What's going on here? Question wait, two. Wait, it's broken. Okay, Question two, it. part one. Name Animal that beast. beast. Part one. Half man, half horse is David. Is it the centaur? Jamie, do you concur? It is the centaur. Woo-hoo. Okay. Scored the three-headed one. dog is Jamie. The Cerberus. Yeah, got it in yeah, the end. There you go. Good on you. 
the part poultry uh, serpent's tail is, David? I just wrote down poultry because I haven't got around to thinking that. I was so worried about the Cerberus. What is it, Jamie? <laughs> so, so nothing. I haven't got it's anything. It's the cockatrice. The cockatrice, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yep. Is that one made it into the expansion? Uh, no, it's not there yet. Uh, but uh, you're digging into our future list, so keep it on the down low. The All cod right. piece, right. Well, speaking of down low, the one-eyed giant is... Penis. I mean, Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops. The Cyclops. Cyclops, yes. <laughs> and uh, you didn't have anything different, I did you, I also had the Cyclops, yeah. yeah. And the last one, the lion-headed, goat-bodied snake tail is the Jamie... It would be the oh. Chimera. Oh, the yeah. Chimera or, or Chimera. Chimera. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to know. write down what I said because that was a stupid <laughs> thing to write. Now, now that just makes me want to hear what it is more. Yeah, I, I'd written down the Sphinx, but now it's Egyptian mythology. That's and, true. Yeah, and that's still got a lion's body, hasn't it? And a woman's face. Correct. So, so it's all we over, are completely wrong. All over the place wrong. <laughs> we technically butchered all those words too because I think with Greek they're supposed to be hard seas. So it should be the, the, the Kentor and the Kerberos and Kerberos. Cockatrice and yeah. But Ky- that's okay. The Kyclops? Kyclops, yeah. <laughs> all right, question three. Oh, we talked to, do you remember talking to Bruno Cathala? Oh, yeah. And I asked him, you know, how, we pronounce, how we're supposed to pronounce. Ah, yeah. Cyclades. Cyclades. But he said Cyclades, didn't he? He did. He said that in French it's Cyclades, but, uh, you know, I've got Greek friends who wanted to murder me for saying that, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, was, it was made by a Frenchman, so they, it's Cyclades then, isn't it? Yep, I agree. Cyclades. Bruno's right. Yeah, Bruno's right. He invented <laughs> He's a Frenchman. It. All right. Yeah. Question three. The movie, O oh Brother, Oi, Art Thou, is a modern-day satirical interpretation of which epic poem? What is it, David? Oh, why ask me first? Um, <laughs> it is the Iliad. No, Jamie, what the is Odyssey. it? Oh, so close. It's the Odyssey. So it's Odyssey. the Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. Look at this. You can see my two answers here. You are so Who close. did the... Is that Homer's? Homer's. It's Homer. Homer's. Yeah. Give him a point for Homer. <laughs> I had Eliad dash Homer's slash Odyssey. All right, I score, I sure. score, nah, I score nothing for that. Who did the, who did the Iliad? Is that uh, that it's era? It's also Homer. Yeah, Homer as well. Is it? Yeah, yeah. He wrote, yeah he had Iliad is the story of the, the Trojan War, and mm. uh, the Odyssey is the story of Odysseus's journey home from the Trojan War. Oh, okay. Yep, that's it. Uh, question four. What good comes of coupling with a bull? Jamie, what good comes? You get a minotaur to guard your labyrinth. You do get a minotaur. David, what did you write? I say you invent Red Bull, a delightful soft drink, because it contains taurine, and we all know that that's con- taurine is bull semen. Yeah, I'm going to give you that. Uh, yes. That's a great answer, great answer. A point. But, uh, yeah, no, the answer was nothing good, <laughs> or the Minotaur, uh, who is, in fact, the love child of Queen Pasiphae of Crete and a bull. Yeah, I remember Crazy reading... Grecians. I wrote something recently and I did a bit of research and that rings a bell now. (laughs) Not that that helped me during the quiz. No, it didn't. It's not going to help me in question five either, which looks rather blank from my point of view here. Question five, one thing to another. God is to the Pope as Crom is to Jamie. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you and hear the lamentations of the Ah, women. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Conan. Conan. Conan, yep. Yeah, no, I had nothing for that. Superman is to Krypton as Wonder Woman is to David. Uh, something to do with Amazonian place. I, I don't know. I don't know my Wonder Woman backstory. It is something is it? to do with an Amazonian place. Yeah. Themyscira. Skyra. Otherwise, the other answer I would have accepted was Paradise Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
And question three, or the last part. The Argonauts are to Jason as the Myrmidons are to... Uh, I think it's Jamie this the time. The little princess. Achilles. What did you have, David? Uh, nothing? No, I had nothing. It was Achilles. Achilles. Yes. Yeah. And... Totally thrashed. That has been Matt's Monstrous Quiz. Hope you did better than me at home, everyone. I'm sure that they... Did. Probably, probably did. Yeah, I think they I don't know why did. I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're right. It's very late at night here. <laughs> All right, back with uh, Neats and Toys after this. Neats and Toys! Neats and Toys! And we're all here, Neats and Toys. We just want to know who last month's winner of Seven Land, uh, not Seven Land Hands, Seven Wonders Jewel uh, competition yeah. was. Say that, who was it? It was <laughs> with a box on his head. Uh, I think it was it uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, Attack, Attack Wing. Wing. Uh, it's Paul Campbell. Hooray! Yay! Paul Campbell from Sydney. I believe he's uh, one of the locals of uh, Hurstville Good Games, yeah? He is one of my regulars, and it does my heart good to see him winning. There you go. And I just want to reiterate, it's not even... We don't have anything to do with choosing this. This comes directly from Good Games HQ. So, um, yeah, well done, Paul. We've got some uh, other quality... We had tons of quality entries this uh, this month as well. Uh, Jamie, you've got you've got one there that you, you had a particular liking for. It was... Yeah, look, my personal favourite was uh, uh, Bing Zhang says, uh, my husband and son play MTG almost non-stop nowadays. I need something to stop them. <laughs> yeah, I can recognise that sentiment. Uh, we definitely had the most legitimate reason to win. But uh, yeah. as we said, not our, not our call. Not our call, but keep them, keep them coming in. Like we're saying, um, the, our pro tip for the competition is that it just seems to be growing and growing. So get in for the next one uh, before the numbers get massive. Because uh, yes, people are starting to figure out that we're giving away a game for stuff all effort. Speaking of numbers getting massive, yeah. uh, the number of likers of the Seven Land Hand Facebook yes. page now, we're up to 292. Ooh, arbitrary milestone right on the horizon. That's it. So I was thinking... Uh, we need something to mark the occasion. Yeah, what are we going to do? All right, here's the idea. Yeah. So we're about to put up this post saying, comment, like, and you can win Monstrous, right? That's correct, yeah. All right, so if by the time we draw that, we've got 300 likers, yep. I'm going to give away another prize to someone who's commented on that post. Okay, so anybody can uh, comment on the post. They get a, a, a chance to win Monstrous and this extra prize that we'll figure out over the next month. Yeah. Well, no, we'll figure out. It's a mystery, man. Oh, it's, it's a, a mystery. mystery. We, we know. They've got to figure out. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we already know. We might even <laughs> drop some hints on the Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do that, couldn't we? Uh, I've got an old yeah. Dungeons & Dragons bow tie. Would, would that be a suitable prize? No, this that- is going to... This is to that reward the listeners. That could be a surprise if, uh, I don't know, if the 1970s calls and posts on our Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what right. else have we got? Uh, what else have we got? Okay, um, yeah, comments on the Facebook page. Um, we were, we, I, I tuned into um, Magic Jewels again on, on uh, the old Xbox. We're in Xbox yeah. heavy tonight. And it, <laughs> it shocked me because... Shadows of Innistrad was on there, and yeah. you know Magic Jewels has been really dragging its feet and been broken and and not working properly and been behind the times. Not only is Shadows of Innistrad on there, uh, Gay Watch is on there as well. Yeah, that's right. So there's a there's a whole story story uh, cycle you can play for Oath of the Gate Watch. There's a whole story cycle you can play for Shadows of Innistrad. Uh, the sets are all on there, as far as I can tell. I think all the cards are there. 
Uh, I don't know about all the cards, but, but certainly most of them. Certainly yeah, most of I, haven't, them. I haven't done a thorough check on it as well. And for some reason, like when I left, I had uh, like a I can't I, I I can't remember the actual figures, but you know I had like about 20, 20 gold coins left mm. in the account. And um, yeah, I tuned back in. There was about six hundred and twenty in yeah. there. So I don't know if I was getting the you know the advantage of the what do they have at the community yeah. achievements, which are impossible to engage with. I don't know. That's kind of a bit broken as well. Still, <laughs> I think you've got to play with a an archetype deck and win to get the coins for that. But yeah, well, that, actually, I think it's yeah, just play X community games, and the target's always something like. 50,000. Oh, yeah, but there's about three or four of them. You yeah. know, it can be like win three games with yeah. a, a red archetype yeah. deck or something like that, and you get some points. But the thing was, truckloads of money in there. So at the very least, I got to just go in there. I haven't done, I haven't spent all my money yet. I'm um, just open some virtual packs. That, and that's what um, that's what Mark Bird was saying. He says, uh, he responded saying, Oh, you got a truckload of free money. Maybe I can log in and crack some virtual boosters. And yeah, you probably can. See, I've got, uh, I've got, Something like two and a half thousand coins sitting there at the moment. You can just spend them, Matt. They're not worth no, no, no. anything else. I'm, I'm holding on because this is going to be the only way I will ever buy a booster box. Can you buy if, a- I get, <laughs> if you get 4,000 coins, yeah. this is the only way I will ever get a booster box. Does it so- give you more? It gives you, well, you oh, kind of get all... the standard six cards per booster. Yeah, but it's like 150 coins per six cards, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and then it's... Uh, for th- and it doesn't level up any. They're always just the same, like 300 for yeah. for 12 cards, 450 Something for... Something like that. But when you get to 18. for 4,000 coins, yeah. it's 36 boosters, which is a booster box. I'm sure that's 36 times 150, isn't it? Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm no, neither do I. It out. No, but, neither can I. But so that's what I'm working towards, and I think that'll be momentous, and we'll see what I can get out of that, and I think that'll mm. be something worth uh, talking about. I'm excited about Magic Jewels because it's if it if they can get it to work, it's on the console, which I use. Yeah. I, I won't tune into MTG Online. I'll use, I'll use my Xbox. I can play it, and if I can keep up with the cards and how they use on a more frequent basis, that'd be great fun. And it's good fun. I mean, just doing, even doing the story arcs, I enjoy, enjoy doing those. I mean, it's usually you play through them straight away, but oh, it's good fun. And you get coins for doing that, so you get boosters. Yeah, well, I found it very challenging, um, actually. Well, I, mean, I don't play crap. a lot of Magic. No, but, sorry, I didn't say um, that. No, no, you're right. It's because I'm crap. No, but, no, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm crap too, so, yeah. No, no, I'm crap. No, I'm more you're, crap You're Matt. great. You're oh, a great player. Oh, put it away. Player. Oh, don't be silly. Oh. <laughs> no, but uh, so I'll keep playing that. I play on, on my iPad. And it's a bit harder, I think, to find matchups, for, to find other people to play. But, um, you know, yeah, I've, I've you can always go back success. and do the quests. So you can always go back and do the community things like you mentioned. So, And it's, it's almost free money in a sense because people other people are contributing to you getting extra coins yeah so they don't they're not willing to lay down and let you win a free game so that you can they seem to have fixed a lot of the things that were broken about it there were certain cards which uh, had effects that were were incorrect or they caused the game to to stop they seem to have really got on board so i think well i had i had one the other day which i don't know if it worked correctly but i'll have to check in with aaron as to whether that's correct (laughs) um Game of the Month special is uh, Monstrous this month. Uh, good Games is giving our listeners 10% off Monstrous. So go to your nearest Good Games store anywhere in Australia and give the staff the password. Fellas? Monstrous. Get Monstrous. Get Monstrous. Get, get Monstrous. And this lasts for just this month. So drop it your iPod and get in there now. 
And if 10% savings isn't enough, you can win the game. Uh, so you just go to our Facebook page and attached to the top for episode 67, you can win the game monstrous with the shiny front with the impressive spit or, if you like Matt, impressive lettering. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and you can be just like Paul Campbell and walk away with a free game. Uh, that's worth doing. Yeah, damn right it's worth doing. Yeah. This is like... Pretty fantastic, really. Is, if I could get my games for free, I would. Yeah. yeah. On uh, on Twitter. On the, tw- on the, the tweets. Moment, yeah, on the tweets. Yeah. Um, Harlan at the Invictus stream has been active. He's popped in a little note there about uh, Seven Lane Hand and the stream hopefully getting together to do a uh, Mutual RPG. hug between yeah. Canada and That's Australia. It. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That'll be a really long-armed hug. Love hugs. And uh, Thanks, hope, Matt. Hoping... <laughs> To get together one and and do and play uh, Belly of the Beast, so uh, we're going to put Ben Dutter's uh, game through the through the ringer there, and uh, hopefully for everyone's entertainment, uh, well entertainment viewing because as we know, as if you're aware, the, Google, the uh, Invictus stream is a Google Hangouts RPG podcast. And you've been you're venturing into a little bit of uh, video stuff at the I moment. I have been, and yeah. if I can figure it out, then I will shout from the rooftops but at the moment i'm having trouble negotiating and navigating uh imovie so technical stuff technical stuff yeah Yeah. um okay so yeah any comments uh, please comment if we're talking about your posts on the facebook page or by tweets just like that uh, get involved in the discussion. We'll have to build in community as, as successful as uh, Harlan and the uh, Invictus stream guys are. Uh, we'll send you out a hyper, hyper magic nerd badge to adorn your game aware. I think if you're especially good at that, we'll have a ton of them at the Hurstville store as well. So, Jamie yeah. might throw one your way if you're. Yeah, drop well in behaved. and visit. So, now yeah. available in two locations. Yeah, the Bat Cave here in the pod <laughs> and uh, Good Games Hurstville. That's it. Uh, and also, don't forget, you can contact us at any of the links on the sevenlandhand.com, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and email. Uh, that goes from our Facebook page as well, but it's podcast at sevenlandhand.com or any of our names at sevenlandhand.com. So Matt at sevenlandhand.com. Or David at sevenlandhand.com. Or Jamie at sevenlandhand.com. But not hey, Riley. Thanks. I thought Seven I was going to have to say my own. No, Riley, you can get Riley still. Riley as well. Yeah, we were talking to Riley before the show. We'll send, send Riley an email. Yeah, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. He's over all the way over there in England. Yeah, send Riley at sevenlandhand.com some love by email. <laughs> so just say, I love you, Riley. That's all you got to do. He'll, he'll love it. He's going to be on soon. We were talking to him earlier on about he's, he's got some exciting news. We won't say anything more than that. No. Right, have we done neats and twos? We've done neats and twoos. All right, next fortnight then on Seven Land Hand Extra, we've got the Hurstville show that we sort of r- recorded uh, last Sunday. Um, we'll pop in. We've got uh, myself, Jamie, uh, Kim Breback, who's the designer of Monstrous. He's there for the whole show. And uh, Luke Lancaster, who's, uh, what does he work for? CNET, variety of places. Jamie, bit of a gaming journalist interviewer guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you guys just heard him on the interview. He's... Um... Yeah, He's got some ideas about games. It's good. So we're not pretending that was Matt anymore, are we? That was definitely <laughs> Luke. All right. Oh, no. It was, it was Luke. But uh, maybe Luke is Matt in disguise. I don't know. Aha! And next month, we're going to be working on Dice City. So we'll be playing that soon. And we've got an interview with Todd Rowland, who's the head of marketing sales at AEG. That's that AEG badge that you see on all of the the games like, uh, what, Love Letter and... Uh, Smash Up. Yeah, and they, they put Tem- out the... All the Tempest games. Love... Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, on AG everything. makes so many good games. They yeah. put out the black box. 
Yes, every year. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, well, let's blob and get out of here. I'd like to thank oh. Jamie from across the other side of the country. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you. I'd like to thank David for coming and visiting so that we could record that fantastic interview. Woo-hoo. Yeah, that was good. That was good fun. Good Who to hear like Kim to talking about. David? Uh, that's about it. No, I'm not really. Oh, Matt. <laughs> Thanks for He's coming in. He's still sour over the quiz, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so that guy, I'd like to thank that guy that dragged me through the quiz earlier on, showed me that I know nothing about anything anymore. I'd also like to thank. Uh, oh, the old speckled hen. That was the reason why I couldn't really remember anything. <laughs> That's my excuse. And then I just throw in my word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, old speckled hen would be nothing without uh, the uh, Red Rock Deli was <laughs> Wagyu beef and wasabi chips. That's what we've been brought on tonight. It's like on the way back, stopped in at a Carragullen um, petrol and bottle shop. Thank uh, Picked up the old speckled hen and those chips because it was the weirdest sounding <laughs> chip flavor ever. Um, it was, but it's turned out really nice. I, yeah. I have to agree. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of chips in general, but um, Those when they put some interesting flavors together, you can actually appreciate uh, the art of chippery. The art of chippery, yeah. All right. <laughs> do you, you want to sign off with any shout-outs to snacks, Jamie? Uh, look, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of my tastes, and, a, and a, I believe in the classics. I'm a big Twisties man. So so thanks, Twisties, for being there for all cheese, these years. Cheese or chicken? Hmm? Cheese or chicken? Oh, look, I'll take either, but uh, cheese is usually more available. Do, I was going to say, do they still do chicken? They do, they do. Just uh, harder to find. Oh, okay. The classics. The high school classics. For those of you outside Australia, that was pretty much what I got through high school with. It was a, but, <laughs> a buttered roll and uh, a bag of Twisties. You'd chuck the the twisties into the buttered roll and yeah. the cafeteria ladies would put so much margarine on that buttered roll that it'd be a good, you know, half an inch worth of butter that would just <laughs> jam the twisties in there and you'd eat that and that'd be lunch. Doesn't that make it a margarine roll? Yeah. That would, yeah. Don't ask, don't, don't, don't pry too, don't, don't push too hard. It'll, <laughs> it'll fall apart under the weight of all the falsehoods that were taught to us in high school. Do you remember that you used to be able to chuck the, those empty packets in the oven and shrink them? I don't think you can do oh, that anymore. Yeah. Well, they're yeah, shrinky yeah, yeah. dicks. That was fun. Shrinky dicks or... Sh- yeah, yeah. I used to, you know, you ever walk around, you'd see a, an empty chip packet on the floor at high school, and if you stomped on it just right, it would pop. Yep. That was an art. <laughs> skills. <laughs> Dexterity skills. That's it. If we could combine them in some way, we could make our own board game about stomping on things a, a, a dexterity based stomping game yeah monstrous 2 coming out soon from idiot <laughs> games i can sense a lawsuit coming <laughs> <laughs> all right good night everybody good night ta ta